Broadcasting from another dimension. Deep within the Ghost Shrimp National Forest. Sending you secrets from the future. Directly into your motherfucking mind. <laughs> What up, everybody around the globe? Welcome back to episode 81 of the Ghost Shrimp and Friends podcast. Um, of course, this is the hypest podcast on the internet. This is the podcast designed to get you thinking about living that dream life, about setting those meaningful goals, about going out there and embracing your destiny as a creative animal in an infinite universe. You know what I'm saying? And we have an extremely special episode for you today. So grab those pencils and get deep into a juicy fucking drawing. Because y'all about to get your minds blown. <laughs> oh, shit. My man Jesse fucking Moynihan is back on the podcast. He's definitely one of my favorite artists of all time, one of my favorite dudes of all time, my homie from Adventure Time. And we happened to record this episode on Sunday, which was the 10th anniversary of the uh, Adventure Time series airing on Cartoon Network. How fucking rad is that? Can you believe it's been 10 fucking years already? Holy shit, that blew my mind. Um, but it was really nice to get on here and chop it up with him. We talk a little bit about uh, about Adventure Time. We talk mostly about um, Penn Ward's new show, which Jesse Art directed, called Midnight Gospel. It's coming out on Netflix on 420, y'all. And uh, they made it with Duncan Trussell, who's a really funny comedian and podcaster and personality and just all-around wacky, fucking cool-ass dude. If you love, like, fucking insane, psychedelic, mind-bending rants, this dude fucking does it the best he is like the upper echelon of that so fucking cannot wait to see it you can go see the preview for the for the um show now and it just looks fucking insane honestly it looks so good um i did a tiny bit of concept design for it which i'm very pleased about being having a little tiny contribution to the super rad show and hopefully if they get picked up for for another round of episodes um maybe i'll be lucky enough to to be able to participate again so that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, just 10 years of Adventure Time, man. I, I can't even describe how fucking unbelievable, uh, you know, the, the last decade of my life has been. Um, you know, my life definitely gets better and better each year. But uh, this last fucking decade has just been everything, just jumping into my goals, trying to execute the plan of what my dream life was going to be. And, you know, Adventure Time was really the catalyst for me getting deep into my dream life, um, you know, on so many different levels. And, and obviously, I've talked a lot about it on the podcast. Lots of episodes to go back and dive into if, if you want to fucking get all the all the juicy fucking tidbits on that. 
But uh, very excited. And they also previewed uh, Distant Lands, which is the new Adventure Time miniseries that are coming out soon um, from Cartoon Network on HBO Go, I think. Something like that. Um, And again, I got to do a little bit of concept work on the tail end of that. Um, So that'll be fun when that comes out. I'll get to share that stuff. So... Man, just all kinds of really cool fucking shit going on these days. Um, And, uh, yeah, but this is a fucking juicy episode. We recorded two hours of content, so uh, let's just fucking jump right into it. Kick it over to my man, AWOL1, from the Shapeshifter crew, and fucking let's go. All right, here we are once again with a returning special guest. Uh, my friend, Jesse Moynihan, welcome back to the podcast. Hey man. Um, and we've been having, uh, we've been, (laughs) we've been catching up, having a fun chat here and, uh, getting into all kinds of stuff. And, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to, to get into some fun combos here. Um, coincidentally today is, I guess the 10 year anniversary of Adventure Time, uh, premiering on television. Wait, that's today? That's today, according to uh, all the Instagram accounts. Shit, I haven't looked at Instagram today yet. So I, I, some kid DM'd me a couple of days ago asking me if I was doing anything for it. Um, but I didn't even know it was happening. Uh, yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah, oh. hooray, 10 years of Adventure Time. That's pretty incredible. Obviously, that's how uh, that's how we're connected. That's that's where our friendship uh, started, working on Adventure Time in the, in the early seasons together. So it's pretty crazy to think that it's been 10 years. Uh, it's, it's a nightmare thinking that that amount of time has gone by. <laughs> yeah, 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 because you came on season one, right? I came on at the end of season one. Right. You came on at the end of season one. Yeah. And we actually haven't talked uh, since the finale. And, and I and I heard through Kent that you had not watched the finale uh, no. when it came out and stuff. Have you watched it now? I have not. Oh, my God. You still never watched it. Wow. That's incredible. I, I haven't watched almost anything after I left the show. Yeah. Wow. Uh, because and I've got the DVD box set in my house, mm-hmm. and I still haven't watched it. Um, I think I've got a. I think I have like some emotional uh, blockage. Like I can't bring myself to actually. Um, so I didn't watch any Adventure Time for a long, long, many a bunch of years, and then my girlfriend hadn't seen any Adventure Time, and so I this was maybe two months ago we sat down and watched maybe four or five episodes uh and that was the first time i had seen anything uh in probably like four years maybe and uh i I, i've lost track of time i don't even know how long it's been since i worked on this show yeah um and then we watched maybe four episodes and i got really 
sentimental. I got really nostalgic about it. Yeah. Started flooding back all these memories of, of what I was going through during the time. And, you know, just, we, you know, hanging out with everybody with, with Tom Herpick and stuff, going out for lunch and talking about what we were thinking and going through and all the different mini dramas that happened on that show and stuff. And then also, um, and then also just watching the episodes being like, wow, this is like, I'm pretty proud of this stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's held up, uh, in my mind, you know, for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, yeah. I, I can relate to that. Cause when I left the show to yeah. move here to Vermont, um, I really didn't see anything for a long time and I was out of the loop, uh, you know, from the show, even just from a logistics standpoint, cause we were like camping in a tent and like cutting down yeah. trees and like starting to build this house and shit. And, uh, yeah. but yeah, I kind of felt the same way. I, I didn't really feel like I wanted to watch it after I had left. Um, and then, and then I, and then when the finale was coming, well, I, then I had, then I had come back and freelanced a couple of times. So I started to see, like, I came back for the stakes, uh, stuff. And I was like, wow, this is like so incredible. Like the show has made yeah. like a giant leap forward, you know, since like, yeah, yeah. since like season four and season eight or whatever, that was like a lot of the super juicy shit. And so, uh, you know, I started to see a little bit more there when I would, when I would jump in and out of freelance on the show. And then, um, and then I worked on the finale and then when the finale was going to air, um, me and Wolfie actually went through and watched the entire series from beginning to end. And yeah. it was the first time that I could like watch it like a fan. Cause I had taken so much time off and like just forgotten a lot of stuff. And I had, I had gaps of stuff that I hadn't, hadn't seen. And, yeah. uh, and yeah, watching it as a fan was like really cool. I was like, wow, this is like a dope fucking show. Like, I can't believe yeah. that we're fucking part of this. And like, and that, and that when I started on it, like I didn't have a family and now I'm like watching it with my like son who's a, who's grown up watching it. And like, it's just so cool. It's so much fun. Yeah. I, I need to watch I need to be able to watch it as a fan mm-hmm. to finish the, finish the whole thing. Uh, but I think I was so, I, when I was working on that show, I was so like drinking the Kool-Aid, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was so deep in it. Um, and my whole, for a couple, however many years that I got, I started to really sink my teeth into that world and have it really, what do you call it? Permeate my identity and stuff. Mm-hmm. That, being able to break whenever I decided I needed to move on, I think it's sort of like a breakup, like a, like a divorce or something. And I had to, I just had to cut it, cut it off. Um, or else I would have kept being like regretting leaving and stuff. Yeah. If sense. So I, I needed, I needed a clean break from even being caring or investing myself in that show mm-hmm. in for me to move on and do other things. And so that makes it really hard for me to, it makes it hard to uh, watch episodes that I wasn't a part of. Yeah. Because, um, I'll get this fear in me that I wasn't there. I couldn't influence what was happening. Um, maybe they would have made, they made decisions. I would have, you know, had, had voiced, some concern about or you know i have all these like paranoid thoughts about how it turned out wow uh so i just it's a it's frightening prospect for me to see actually how it resolves and i i uh 
what do you call it? I play, um, I have a, a group of uh, video game guys I play with online who live in Seattle. Uh-huh. Some of them are Adventure Time fans. So, and they have kids too. So they're talking to me about how their, what episodes their kids like and stuff. And the, they'll talk to me about the end of when, when the finale happened, the, those guys were like, did you, uh, did you watch the finale? And I was like, no. And they're like, yeah, man, it ended really well. They were like talking to me about it and how they thought it was satisfying and stuff. So I was like, okay, that's cool. But, um, yeah, I still haven't been able to bring myself to watch it. So at some point, it's just sitting there staring at me, the DVD box set. <laughs> is that alarm going off in your house? Oh, yeah. My girlfriend is cooking uh, lunch, probably, and our, our fire alarm goes off every time. That's so. amazing. Ours goes off kind of frequently, too. So I was like taking one headphone out, trying to determine if that was my house or your house. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if our our stove fan just doesn't work. I don't know. Yeah. It happens every time, almost yeah. every time. That's wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I would guess that your stove fan probably doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's a very low quality fan. Uh, so what was the last stuff you worked on for Adventure Time? I'm trying to remember. What, uh, what, what, I finished up season seven. So I think. Um, oh, wow. Okay. I think it was uh, the last episode I worked on. I had something, maybe it had something to do with uh, Magic Man. I did an episode called Normal Man where yeah. Magic Man tried to like, I think, I think that was the last one I, I worked on. We were just watching that one the other day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I was so trying funny. to, I was trying to tie up Magic Man's, uh, well not tie up, but at least for me, create some resolution, resolve, resolving some thoughts I had about Magic Man. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. did did you did you, at the when when you were working on it and when you were feeling like it was time to go were you feeling like you had like almost like spiritually and artistically like typecast into that world so hard that you had to just kind of get out of it and see what else yeah. you needed to you know you could you could you could do outside of that I think uh so season 6 uh season 6 I just it blew my load basically mm -hmm. uh and then I, I put everything I had into that season and I, it kind of made me go crazy. And then, um, uh, and then seasons, I thought about leaving after season six because I felt like I had just given the show everything I could give it. And then I thought to myself, like, maybe it would be a good time to do something else and to reset. Uh, and it probably, and also I was feeling, I don't, I don't want to say bad things about Cartoon Network really, but I was feeling like Cartoon Network just stopped caring about, about Adventure Time. Mm. That was the feeling I got. I don't know if that's true. I don't and know. What was you know, giving you that impression? Like, like notes that you were getting or like, what was well, the notes? It just was felt like I, it felt like Adventure Time had reached this critical peak where everyone was talking about it for a couple seasons, like between season, I would say season three and season six, people were talking about Adventure Time, like critics were talking about Adventure Time, like it was one of the best shows on television. Right. And I didn't feel like that was reflected in, um, I didn't feel it was reflected in the way they were, Cartoon Network was pushing the show. I, I got felt you. Like yeah, the promotion and, and stuff. 
Yeah, they were fucking with our schedule. They kept putting us on different nights to compete with iCarly or some shit. Like, I don't, you know, I, I just don't know. They had a plan that was based around Adventure Time um, being just the model that they had been using for decades of how to push a cartoon. Yeah. To sell Nerf guns, basically. Whereas I felt like Adventure Time reached past the Nerf the Nerf buying audience. <laughs> yeah, definitely. To a more well, shout out to the Nerf buying audience. Yeah, Nerf, Nerf guns are tight. To, yeah, shout out to the Nerf buying audience, but also shout out to the college kids and the and the people who enjoyed more sophisticated comedy and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think uh, once I started hearing that feedback, because that's that's the feedback I personally liked was hearing someone, you know, someone being like, Oh, this show is as good as Louie, like, you know, or whatever. Uh, which is what someone said at some point, <laughs> which is weird. To, which is weird to say now because you can't even find Louie on episodes of Louie anywhere. But, uh, <laughs> right. Right. At one point Louie was considered the best show on television. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, uh, for me, I felt like I because by season six I was running on I was personally running on like a real this like manic creative high, mm-hmm. and I was pumping out. I was trying to put the, my biggest ideas out there, and when I felt like I was the stuff I personally was trying to put inject into the show was not was was getting diminishing returns from its audience like i felt like the ratings were going down and the um and the support from the network was sort of lackadaisical or something Mm -hmm. i just i thought to myself i I was like i think i i gotta jump like while 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 i have while i feel like I'm still at a creative peak. I need yeah. to go to something, do something else. Uh, it just felt, I got that feeling that whatever that was a feeling in my brain. And once I heard that feeling in my brain, I was like, I can't be afraid to leave. Yeah. Um, so always, always doing the thing that seems the scariest, I think is, um, what and I hung in there longer than even maybe I sh- I'm 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 happy w- I did a season seven because I wanted to try kind of reset I wanted to make I wanted to go back to just making episodes that were funny and like really goofy and and less about so much about super high concept ideas mm-hmm. so I wanted to prove to myself okay I can do a season where I'm just trying to make entertaining goofy shit and see if I can do that still. I still have that muscle to flex. And then once I did that, then I was like, okay, now I can leave because I I'm 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 I haven't like uh gone off the deep end basically. Yeah, yeah. It's always a weird situation to be in when <clears throat> like you have a something that would be considered uh you know, obviously you're getting paid really well, it's a great project to work on. But yeah. at that point, you're feeling like, man, I need creatively, spiritually, creatively to go a different direction from this. That's like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a weird place to be as an artist, you know? 
Yeah, especially because I loved working, uh, you know, everybody on the show I loved working with. And uh, yeah, I think you you kind of did that earlier, a couple seasons before mm-hmm. that you probably had a similar thing where you were like, I probably, well, you had a whole life plan yeah i had my whole like crazy plan that's why i was even there in the first place was to like you know get the money buy the land and i had already like bought the land and you know i was just like and then and then me and athena met and then we ended up staying a little longer because we had wolfie and then we decided to like okay when he gets like you know 10 months old or whatever in the springtime then we'll take off and 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 go seek our fortunes seek seek our fortunes in the forest of vermont yeah so you did even more kind of extreme thing than I did. Mm-hmm. I kind of hung, well, I, you know, that was the first job I ever had that actually paid me decent money. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was definitely the first time I was making like big money. Like I was, you know, probably making like a freelancing illustration before that I was probably making like maybe 25 G's or something. And then yeah. going there, it's like jumps up to 75, 80 grand, you know, yeah. during the time there. So you, I was definitely feeling pretty good about that. Yeah. But I think you reach a point where you have to listen to whatever that inner voice is that's telling you to, especially if you're an artist, that's the thing you get scared. I think the scary thing of being an artist or being a, maybe an entertainment artist or something, or like a lowbrow artist, or (laughs) I don't know what to call us, Mm -hmm. uh, is that I, I have, I personally have a fear that I'm just, I'm going to age out and get irrelevant at some point. Uh, where nobody's going to want to look at the shit I do. Um, and being tied to a, even though I love adventure time, like being tied to that aesthetic and that, um, all the design and, 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 and story choices that that show defined a whole like era of copycats basically. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want, at some point I was like, I got to jump off this boat before I'm just completely associated with this thing. Yeah. Uh, And that's why actually, um, when we did midnight gospel, I talked to Penn about it. I was like, this thing has to look really different from adventure time. Uh, it has to completely separate itself from what you did in the past, basically. Yeah. Um, in order to, and my, my theory is because I think some, okay, you know how like Matt Groening's cartoons all look the same mm-hmm. and there's a brand ident brand identification or something. People look at that. They're like, Oh, Matt Groening, this is a new Matt Groening show. I know yeah. because it looks exactly like the Simpsons except in medieval times or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that's like, I think that's a good business plan. Right. Because if you're that iconic people, the next thing you project you work on, you don't want to alienate the people that were on board for Futurama and the Simpsons. Right. Mm-hmm. You want them along. They, they have that. That's why so many shows look like family guy yeah. because they want all this brand identity stuff. But I think if you're really, uh, I don't know. I, maybe the, I, that's why I'm curious how, how the response to Midnight Gospel is going to be. Mm-hmm. 
Penn draws the way he draws, so some of the the characters are going to look like his drawings. Yeah, Penn Penn draws so like simply and iconically that it's easy yeah. to interpret Penn's drawings in a number of ways, right? It can really yeah. be a jump off for anything. Yeah, so I you know um, I looked online and people when when the trailer came out for it, people people were, who didn't even know it was Penn's thing uh, were saying this looks like Adventure Time. Oh wow! So, so, <laughs> so I I think the people that um, I was afraid might not be on board for his next project if it looks so different. Mm-hmm. I think already the untrained eye might already be like just because it's generating from a lot of pens, doodles, and designs and characters and stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's going to have this inherent pen-like quality to it. Mm-hmm. But when we were but when we were trying to come up with the look of the show, I, I intentionally was like, it has to be different. It has to look, it can't, we can't use any of the same techniques we used on adventure time, uh, for, you know, color and shape language and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's why we did no dot eyes on the show, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, everybody's got to have, um, full eyeballs <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh, yeah because you know the dot thing the dot thing that changed the landscape of cartoons uh, as far as i know for at, at least for that era i mean obviously there's been dot eyes all of, all through the past yeah but i think adventure time brought <laughs> the simple smiley face dot eye face back into style uh, and, and 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 everyone was copying that like uh, uh, for for years, uh, um, so so I think in order to show that we've evolved as artists, we needed to, and for my own peace of mind, I needed to work on something that looked totally different. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you were art directing the show, and and uh, for people, because the show is going to come out on four twenty, right, April twentieth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Netflix. And so, you know, some people won't be familiar with the show. So, you know, give us a little, uh, you know, pitch of what the show is uh, about. Uh, Well, the show was the show was based on um, Duncan Trussell, the comedian's podcast, the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. And um, Penn was a fan of that podcast. And I was a fan of it, too. You guys have been on that podcast. Yeah, we've been on it. Yeah. uh, Before. Because Duncan did voices on Adventure Time, right? So I think through that somehow we became buddies with Duncan, and he invited us on the show and stuff. And, and did you bring Duncan into Adventure Time? I don't know. I think it was. Uh, it might have been. It you know everything's so fuzzy. It I think we were. It's one of those things where we're like stuff. Everybody was on the crew. Like it all spreads around, right? You know? because we're all talking to each other about what we're listening to while we work and stuff. So that's the same thing with Justin Roiland, why Justin Roiland became the voice of lemon grab was because we were all just listening to his podcast. Yeah. And so eventually it just comes up if we're searching for people to do voices and we're all listening to the same podcasts. Um, eventually someone will suggest Duncan or Justin Roiland or something. Right. 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 Yeah. That makes sense. So, So I think, I was definitely listening to it. Duncan's podcast, Penn was definitely listening to it. I think Cole Sanchez was probably. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so we all at some point we were like let's bring duncan in because we're a fan of you know and he's got a funny voice you know yeah and he has the so, he has the most epic like crazy surrealistic rants that he just goes yeah, off on yeah so um oh yeah so the cartoon is based on his podcast we just take they took um clip their favorite or some of their what what they the interviews that they really wanted to put on display we made eight episodes out of it and built a world around this character who interviews people um his name's clancy and he he has this device in his house that he can go into different simulated worlds um so different basically different realities or iterations on on different realities and visit there and then talk to people and interview them about their philosophy and stuff and uh but um he's really bad at taking care of his simulator so the whole machinery is breaking down causing to all these simulated worlds to um go through an apocalypse oh so my every, god every world he travels to is experiencing a different sort of meltdown basically yeah uh, and so we edit the interviews so that they integrate into this really complex and deep um lore that duncan created for the show <laughs> uh and I think Duncan could write a series of novels based on all the lore he's come up with. It's fucking for sure. I mean, his lore goes deep. His personal mythology is insane. Yeah, I mean, he would write just pages and pages of of backstory about little little things on the show, and it's all. And the more I talked to him, the more I didn't realize how much of how much of the little things in the show is all connected to this very large idea he has. Um, so the lore stuff comes through a lot in the um in the like atmosphere and the environments um while clancy is having these sort of um meditative deep conversations with uh different different people that he's interested in talking to and clancy uh, is uh is like a fish in a fishbowl on a guy's body is that right no, that is a dude he's talking to. Oh yeah, that's right. That's I said because I've I've just seen a little bit. I've seen some of the clips, but yeah, that's right. He's like a hippie looking guy, right? Yeah, and he's then a hippie looking guy with a hat, and uh, right, he's talking right. to a fishbowl guy who is actually um, what's his name? The dude he's talking to the dude from the West Memphis Three, one of the guys that was locked up for. Did you ever see those movies? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I'm forgetting his name right now, but he yeah. was in, he was on death row um, for like 20 years or something. And he yeah. came out being this like occult magic, like magic guy. Wow. And so I guess that's how he learned how to survive in prison. He just got really into studying old magic stuff. And then um, he came out almost like this guru kind of person. Damn dude. Came out like fucking Gandalf. Yeah, basically. <laughs> That's amazing. Basically, he's like Gandalf the the White or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. And Gandalf reemerged from the pit. Yeah. That's basically what happened to this dude. Um, so I didn't even realize that because you know, 15 years ago or something, I watched all those documentaries, the West Memphis Three. Yeah, I watched them a long time ago. Yeah. And I was obsessed with that story, and then I was listening to this interview. And I didn't even realize that was that guy. Wow. Um, yeah. And so that was pretty crazy. Um, to I wish uh, I would like to meet that guy. 
he seems he's a really intense dude yeah oh yeah so you didn't have to have any records for the thing because it's all it's all found it's all the audio from his pod right well it's that and then they would get they weren't sure if we were going to be able to pull this off but they got the the people he interviewed to come back and add additional dialogue to make it integrate with the story better oh my god they did like they got come in and do pickups from this podcast you did years ago (laughs) and we didn't know if like if people were going to be into it but everybody that we they asked was into coming into and adding fictional dialogue to their interviews yeah, um, well, that seems like if you're going to come on Duncan's podcast, I think you'd be pretty psyched to like hear that he's expanding this thing into into a show. And hey, we want you to come do my. It's like a very Duncan situation. Yeah, it was a. It was curious because we didn't know. You know, it was all experimenting, working on the show. So it was like we were nervous that we would offend some people if we asked them to talk about. You know, oh, that guy's head exploded or whatever. You know, right? Uh, if they if if they thought we were being disrespectful to their interview or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it seemed like everybody was super into it and thought it was hilarious, you know? So, um, yeah, that was a really nice thing to, to, to discover about these people, um, that they'd be psyched to <laughs> be fictionalized as a, a fishbowl head person, you know, uh, living on a boat or whatever yeah 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 that's so cool and so this is the first project that you have been the art director on right other than maybe yeah. like your own projects like you know right. manly and stuff like that yeah but right with manly it was more like this low budget overseeing overseeing all the moving parts it was more like a director position i guess mm-hmm um although i i guess it would we'd say it was co-directed with my brother um, so we were always just sitting there, you know, deciding if stuff was good or bad or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So this was the first time I had to learn about the nuts and bolts of managing a huge crew and getting everything through the pipeline and, and making sure everything stayed on schedule and that it was all hitting a certain quality um, and also determining the subject, you know, making subjective calls about if something looked good or not, or if something fit my, my standard of my aesthetics basically, yeah, which was, uh, kind of a mind fuck about halfway through the season. Um, yeah, you, uh, you start to really question yourself. You start to wonder what is, what is my taste exactly? And how do I, how do I tell that to people? Mm. Um, because everybody working on the crew is talented and is bringing their own um, skills and techniques and trying to insert that into the show, you know? Yeah. So it's this weird boxing match where you're like, listen, dude, you're really talented, but your shit doesn't fit this, uh, <laughs> the parameters of the aesthetics of the show, basically. Yeah. Or you'll see something they did and you'll be like, this is so good. I'm going to incorporate this into the show. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, so then the parameters of what the rules of the look of the show start to expand over time. And then, um, and then you, at some point you feel like you're losing control of this bucking Bronco, you know? Wow. And then you have, you have to reel it back in. This is all my, over the course of a year, yeah. all the shit, my 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 mental process yeah where i'm 
losing track of what what is me as an artist, you know, and what I'm supposed to project over this crew versus what I want to absorb from the crew and turn into the show, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you're sitting in dailies, like you're sitting in your meetings, looking over everyone's art and deciding in your mind whether or not um, this qualifies as the show or not. Right. Uh, it's a really, I think, and the way I ran it was really loose. So I was kind of trying to encourage people to generate ideas. Uh, I was trying to encourage them to feel like excited about working on the show so that they could bring their A game to it, you know? And yeah. uh, I think other art directors are sometimes I hear are really strict and are, are like, you do it exactly this way. Um, so it forces everybody working on them to work within like this tight box. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think that's what I'll, the people I would talk to, especially the painters and stuff would tell me how different the sh working for me was, uh, in that I let them sort of, um, uh, problem solve a lot on their own. Yeah. Uh, and I would encourage them to come up with ideas for color schemes and stuff. And, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I, because it was my first time, I wanted it to be really exciting for everybody. Um, and so, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, they told me I did a good job. So, I, you know. <laughs> and you were working with Titmouse was the studio, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, I think if I did a second season, I might be a little more strict. Mm -hmm. Next season, a little bit more. Um, but not too much more. I think just a little bit, I think I would have a little more confidence on a second season to really be like, this is the way, or I don't, yeah, yeah. We're going to stick to these certain rules and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, like through trial and error. And, and I think that is a good approach. Keep it open, like almost yeah. like the least amount of rules to make a thing function. And then, when something comes up, you go, okay, this, this, we should have a, we should have a protocol about this. We should have a rule about this. We should handle this yeah. this way because we see what happens when you don't do it the other way. Right. Right. So, um, right. Having that, I, I, I just, you know, from working under other people and knowing how important it was to me to have the freedom to come up with my own ideas and stuff. Um, I want to, maintain that sort of dynamic if i'm overseeing other people yeah um, it's uh, funny yeah. some people i feel like they want that like some some artists want to be given complete leeway and not yeah. told what to do and i definitely fall yeah. in that category i like it when people are just like do your thing go nuts like that's where i yeah. thrive um mm -hmm. and then there's some people who kind of panic if you don't tell oh, them yeah. what to do you know so oh, it's yeah. kind of a funny thing did you experience the that yeah i came across that i came across people who completely shut down if i told them to do whatever they wanted yeah but, isn't that so weird that's like oh wow like wow some people just really don't want that they really want strong direction that's where they, they that they put their confidence in your confidence yeah. And, and that's, that's where they can, that's where they can relax and just work. Right. Especially if, um, 
your style, you know, because people are jumping on production from production to production, and sometimes they'll jump on a production that just doesn't match their style, you know, and they have to completely, they're completely out of their element, and they're talented enough that they can copy what you're doing, but they're not, but they, but they're not familiar enough with your whole history of how you got to the way you draw. So they can't make up anything in that environment. Right. Totally. So they might be really talented, but they just don't understand where you're coming from. So all they can do is just get really, really clear direction and really, really strict rules to work by. Yeah. Um, You know, and I had some people that were some designers who were on the show who in the beginning, I was like, this isn't going to work at all. But over time, they started to get it and they started to really like shine on the show just because it was a wild, different set of design rules than what they were used to. And it took them a while to adjust. But once they adjusted, um, they, I was able to trust them more and let them come up with shit. Yeah. Know? That's cool. Now, now you must have had to put in a ton of extra work because now, now you're doing a whole bunch of meetings and logistical stuff and and all that stuff. And yeah. you know, were you able to still contribute? You know, to to do a lot of you know fun, creative, actual drawing time, or were you doing more of the managerial? Um, I actually so Titmouse. I don't know how it is. Do, I've heard things about art directing at at the like Disney and Cartoon Network and stuff, uh, and Nickelodeon. But at Titmouse, they have their production pipeline set up in a way. At least this was my experience that I was doing way less managerial stuff than I thought I was going to. Oh, that's cool. And actually, they all uh, the guy um, Antonio just he set up things for me so that I told him I was like, dude, I want to be able to draw as much as possible. I want to be able to paint as much as possible. So, and less, less meetings. So I, you know, um, and less, so they had a lot of the production people doing a lot of the busy paperwork and assigning stuff out to people. Those decisions, I like a lot of times I wasn't making those decisions. Oh, that's it was great. Yeah. It was more like, um, twice a week, you know, four times, like twice a week going to look over all the background designers, um, stuff they were producing and then twice a week looking over all the color stuff. Um, so it would be like maybe two, two or two, three hours out of my day every day doing that kind of stuff, like managing. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the time, a lot of times I was, I was, um, picking up the you know i'd be if someone if someone couldn't figure something out i'd be doing it uh or um if there was a new location trying to establish the look of it before anybody would have to tackle it that Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm -hmm. Uh, so doing a lot of visual development on the fly that's cool that's fun uh, which got pretty panicky uh about (laughs) season because we were everything was falling behind so um, being able to, you know, it, there was some really crazy crunches at some point because every episode takes place in a different world. And yeah, that's a crazy model, right? Yeah. So it was, it was, it, you know, and then I also had, um, you know, Ellie Machalka was there and she was doing biz dev too, like on the fly, like trying to pump out as many, um, 
establishing shots as she could uh, uh, during that time also. So, That's really so cool. there were, there were people, yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to really, really not lose the, um, I was trying to not lose the creative part of it. I didn't want to just be, a, you know, signing forms and delegating and shit. I really wanted to be making stuff. Yeah. If I was just only looking over stuff and just fixing shots and, and that kind of thing, I think I would have gotten pretty depressed at that job. I did. I just didn't, that's not what is fun for me about working in this industry. It, what's fun is coming up with cool looking shit yeah. and, you know, and ideas. So when, when people say art director, I think a lot of art directors are working jobs that are purely um, managerial. Uh, that's what Matt Forsyth told me. Like he was like, dude, most of my time was not drawing. It was just handing stuff out to people and delegating work. Um, and then, and then critiquing work. It was, yeah, and then you just have an art related office job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're still, you're still, um, Oh, he was lead character design, but I mean, uh, si- similar thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, where, where you're, you're, yeah, you're still guiding the look of the show, but your hands on kind of part of the job is, 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 isn't there. So you're not getting that creative outlet in your job. It's more like your taste making. Yeah. And I wanted to taste make, but I also wanted to, I really, really wanted to be drawing. I really wanted to be making shit. Um, and I wanted to see my fingerprint on it, you know? So, um, that was, that was important to me. And Titmouse, it seems like Titmouse is really set up in this way that favors, uh, favors the artist, I guess. That's cool. That's good to hear. That's definitely good to hear. Yeah. I remember at a certain point, Kelly was like, you know, when I'd go in on adventure time and, you know, at the season or whatever and ask for more money, you know, and, and she'd be like, well, yeah, we can give you more responsibility. You know, you could, you could have more responsibilities on the show. And I was like, I don't want any more responsibilities on the show. Like, I'm like, I'm good. Like I love, I love just drawing backgrounds all day. I don't want to be in any meetings. I don't, you know, I barely came into the studio, you know? So, um, and, and, uh, and, and yeah, when they, when I was doing Mars Safari, um, I was like, yeah, if you guys want to keep doing this, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I want to do it on the creative end, but I don't want to run a show. I'm not interested in like doing anything other than creative stuff. You know, I'll do all the creative stuff, but I don't want to do anything else. And like, I think it's always funny when I talk to kids and they're like, oh, I want to have my own show. And I'm like, you know, a lot of times having like a, uh, like a, like, you know, be, being a designer on a cool show is a lot fucking more fun than being the person that's running that show. Yeah. Because it's a lot of just actually getting to, to, if you're running a show, actually getting to pick up a pen is, um, uh, a luxury, yeah. you know, most of the time you're going to meetings and, deciding whether or not um this plushy toy is right right for the show or some shit <laughs> right right yeah and, and famously Penn, you know didn't enjoy uh, a lot of his duties running adventure time now with this show uh what was Penn's? what was Penn doing uh like just daily involvement with this show uh Penn was doing a lot of he would he would be 
Well, we all shared an office, and it was me, Penn, and Mike Mayfield, who was the like creative director. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were in the office, and Penn would be he he would be like editing a lot of the animatics, and then adding drawings to them, basically, and then rewriting a bunch of shit all the time, mm-hmm. and, and plugging that into animatics. So he was constantly massaging the episodes back and forth, like he would go up and down each episode he was like constantly editing he was just rubbing that pen ward royal jelly over everything yeah everything was everything was getting massaged nice. through the whole year basically and then us consulting each other on whether or not we thought certain characters looked good and that kind of thing so he was pre- he was happy with the experience i think so That's yeah cool. i think so i mean it got kind of stressful sometimes but he was mostly doing all creative stuff and really not much. Yeah, I think he set sort of a boundary from his time on Adventure Time where he only wanted to do the things that were creatively contributing rather than the, all the managerial kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was way, way, way less of that kind of thing of the of the minutia of production. And Titmouse is really good from what I noticed of setting up protections for artists, uh, for creative, the creative part of the, the production from doing too much busy work shit. Yeah. So they have production people in place who are on top of that kind of stuff and managing all the, all the spreadsheets and all that shit. That's you know? awesome. So I never touched a spreadsheet the whole time I worked on that show. You yeah. know, I never, even looked at one basically um i would have someone come in and be and be like these backgrounds are missing and i'd be like okay cool and i'd write them down on my whiteboard and just check them off and eventually go over to them and this guy jake and some other people and I'd be like okay i did it you know <laughs> basically so i had almost had these like nanny people uh making sure i was on top of all all, all the organi- organizing kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, where I didn't have to think about that stuff so much as, um, and we would have our meetings and stuff and be like, we're missing this. We're missing that. This is getting lost. We need, you know, th- these backgrounds will cover this, this scene and that kind of stuff. Like we, we got to reuse this stuff. And so we would have those meetings, but compared, I think to the epic level of meetings that art directors had on, adventure time i think mm-hmm. i think it, they would have be having these like six hour meeting days you know yeah uh, so when's the time to actually make stuff um right i think you're in those top positions you're making less and less stuff and um i think i think um yeah i i didn't want to be in, in i didn't want to be in yeah if i got offered an art director position somewhere else i'd have to know that it was set up so that the production was set up so that i could be making as much shit as possible rather than telling other people what to do and you know that kind of thing now is that an aspiration that you have to specifically like art direct for for the sake of it or just more like hey this is like a dope project that came up came up organically like with my friends and you know this is a great opportunity i think everything for me is like everything for me is based around, do I think it's a dope project? So 
I've never thought about, I never even considered art directing anything, but mm-hmm. Penn asked me and I was like, okay, I like working with Penn. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Like, you can't say no to Penn. Yeah. And I like <laughs> Duncan's podcast. Yeah. So I'll definitely try. I've never done it before. I had to learn Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, because I in the beginning I tried to talk them into doing everything analog and they just wouldn't do it. Yeah, uh, I was like, I want to do all the backgrounds on paper. I want to paint everything. I want to, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. They and Titmouse was basically like, um, no. <laughs> so then I I said, okay. So we had to spend two months figuring out how to approximate a, an analog feeling kind of thing, um, um, so that it would resemble my like um airbrush paintings and stuff that right, I like to right do. and so you were drawing everything on a Cintiq everything was on a Cintiq but actually I was doing I was making a lot of textures on paper and scanning them in uh-huh. and that kind of and 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 so I had made a template like a folder filled with different um, paint textures and stuff um on different paper stocks and that kind of thing um to share with everybody so that they could incorporate that into their paint jobs and stuff and then we workshopped the line quality of the show for like a month just trying to figure out how the animated line would look uh so that it would integrate into the background paintings and all that kind of stuff so it would have like a rough a roughness to it like a non-slickness to it i mm-hmm, guess mm-hmm. maybe a little more outsider looking uh yeah so yeah, all that kind of thing. And I don't know, it, what worries me is like, I don't know, you know, if I got asked to do art direct another job, I was, I don't know how to make it look differently than what I did on Midnight Gospel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like just your aesthetic. So, yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's how I make stuff. I don't know yeah. if you want to, I mean, I guess people make a whole career out of that. Like, uh, what's his name? Um, the guy who did... Uh, What's his name? Kevin uh, Elizabeth Edo's husband. Oh, uh, Kevin Dart. Kevin Dart. Yeah. All his stuff looks like Kevin Dart. You know. Yeah. So every time he art art directs something, it looks like a Kevin Dart art directed thing. Right. Yeah, and so, his his sense of design is like universal enough that it that it works. Yeah. So maybe it, I don't know. Like you know, I'm making this short right now. And I'm, I'm like, well, it's going to look like what I make. And so it's going to look kind of like Midnight Gospel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like in the, in the beginning when I started on Adventure Time, the art director, Nick Jennings, who was, you know, just absolutely great with me. Um, he, But he told me, like, he was like, you know, don't put everything you have into this. Like, save stuff for yourself, you know? And I was like, yeah. I don't even know what that means, man. Like, I just, like, I'm always trying to do my best drawings, and I really only have one way of drawing. Like, it's evolving yeah. and stuff, like, yeah. you know, but I'm like, I, I don't, I can't be like, I'm going to now do something that's not that. <laughs> like, I, don't even, I wouldn't even know what to, where to begin. Like, so, yeah, yeah I was like, it's, yeah, I'm just, like, going to fucking go for it. That would have been so weird. I couldn't even imagine and how that would have turned out if I was like if there's the world where I did what I did in Adventure Time but then there's the world where I tried to do something else that I wasn't yeah. good at and it's like right. super jacked up and it was just like fired immediately from the show <laughs> yeah that's definitely something I've thought about um, that same thing that Nick's you know save some things for yourself kind yeah. of thing but yeah. it's so hard to, it's so hard to do that when you're trying to do a good job 
And, you know, for midnight, I, I put, I, I had this thing called, I called space theory or whatever, where for years I had been thinking about how to, how to depict outer space and, and make it feel like it has depth and, and like the infinite space, infinite. Space. So when you paint space, it just looks flat. So many time it just looks like black flat yeah space. like one plane like this this yeah. one black plane with stars on it right but space is infinitely deep mm -hmm. you know and and it so how so i've been thinking about what i called space theory <laughs> for for years like you know, because i've been planning on after i did manly uh, I, I thought to myself, like, okay, how would I approach the way we color design space in Manly? So this is something I've been vaguely thinking about for years and years. And then when Midnight Gospel started, and there's a bunch of different space sequences in it, I because um, when he travels between um, um, uh, dimensions or whatever, he travels through a space and 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 encounters a planet you know mm -hmm. so it's, there's this repeating sequence where he's rocketing through space and in my mind i was like man this is something i've been thinking about for years i was like do i execute this on this show uh because if i do that means i can't do it on whatever i make <laughs> you know for myself do you because, think so though why couldn't you reuse the same like visual concept in something yeah. else uh, it's so specific looking uh, when you see it. Um, he, it's basically him traveling through this black goo. Yeah. Um, and so that basically I sacrificed that idea to Midnight Gospel. Yeah. So whatever I do next, I have to make it at least it has to be different from that. Like right. I, I have some other ideas, but I like I gave them a big one, you know. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, that's something I... I you should, I, you I, should have negotiated residuals for that concept in that episode. <laughs> yeah, I was like, listen, man, I'm giving you this fucking gold. <laughs> I really don't want to give it to you, but I, I had to give it to them because it was, it's the first, you know, it came up first. It, it was won the, the right fit. Yeah, it was the right fit. Yeah, I was going to ask you uh, about that, like on the, when we were talking about Adventure Time specifically, <laughs> like you know, where you're, where you're storyboarding Adventure Time and you're also at the same time, you know, doing your forming comic and, yeah. you know, they're obviously different worlds, but, you know, you're still pouring all your kind of, you're coming from your same brain and your same interests. Like, you know, did yeah. you ever have in those situations like tug of war between, you know, which project was going to get, you know, kind of what, what, what funny turn of phrase or, or some kind of visual treatment? Yeah, they were overlapping with each other for a while. They were starting to Adventure Time was influencing forming, and my f forming stuff. Obviously, it, that's just my brain. So that was I was I was sort of um, dragging that stuff into Adventure Time, uh, and um, definitely working on Adventure Time for a bunch of years affected the way I was drawing. Uh, so it affected a lot of my shape language mostly it made me actually just better at drawing yeah because of just from pure practice and thinking about volume and shit like mm -hmm. uh, which is something i never even thought about before right uh, working on adventure time so uh, that was effect it was affecting it definitely heavily affected the way i draw 
Um, and I had to, I remember talking to Penn about this. I had to, I, I, I got in the habit of drawing hands the way that Penn draws hands. <laughs> Those like, like quick, like, I don't know how to describe them, but like, um, like thin hot dog hands or whatever. Uh-huh. I don't know what, what, how else to describe them, but <laughs> yeah. I started noticing, I didn't even, I was subliminally doing that in my comics. And then I, at one point I looked back at some of my pages. Like, I was like, I'm drawing fucking adventure time hands in my comics. That's so funny. Yeah. And then I had to really start to make walls where I was like, I don't cross this line. The, like this stuff, these like design decisions and this, these writing decisions don't cross over into my comics. Wow. You have to start making like design rules for your own stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, or else it would have like, it would have been, you know, I would have been saying like schmauzow in fucking form. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Right, right. Like that jazz language stuff. Like it, it was so ingrained in me at some point uh, that it was hard to keep it out of my comics. And then after leaving Adventure Time, it was hard not to put that in anything I did afterwards. Right. Um, I, it's like taking this major tool away from my writing my writing toolbox. Yeah, it's that's so strange. Not, not being able to fuck with language like that. Yeah. Yeah, because that's so specific to Adventure Time. Um and we got so competitive about it on the adventure on the show yeah. that it became this muscle that you were constantly flexing, constantly finding different ways to say shit. It's so funny because it's recognizable too, like right when you turn it on, because my kids love to watch Adventure Time. And like, you know, normally like your kids watch shit, whatever. You just kind of like, you're so used to hearing things that you just tune it out. But like the way Adventure yeah. Time is written, like it immediately, like you can't help but like laugh. And you're, I'm always like, God damn, this is like, it's so funny and it really gets inside your mind the way, the way it, it's all like just, you know, written in red. It's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's a. It's funny like, that it's funny that the show sounds so iconic. It looks so yeah. iconic. Like it really has so much. Like it worked on every level. That show really works on every level. Yeah, and it's weird. To this day, I still have to. I have to be disciplined enough not to use a lot. A lot of those. Um, tools wow that's so weird yeah with me it never really happened like that because like you know it's yeah. just all the drawing so it's like i'm still just drawing and i'm still just like building on what i you know all the i could definitely got way better at drawing and like you know better at managing multiple drawings at once until i could draw faster because i don't draw that fast you know doing the backgrounds and stuff and so i picked yeah. up all those skills and and yeah, I've never really felt the only time it trips me up is if I get on a project and they're like, we don't want this to look like adventure time. And then I go like, okay, well, what does that mean? Cause then I'm just thinking about it and I'm like, does this yeah. look like adventure time? Like, doesn't everything I do look like adventure time? Like, like yeah. I think you said that also when, uh, cause I did, I did, um, uh, the, I did a, like a week of concept for midnight gospel and I did the, yeah. I did a pass at the two main characters houses, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you guys might have mentioned that, but with you guys, I'm so comfortable like doing my thing, and it's and it's also like concept stuff, so it's like it's gonna be reinterpreted anyway. Like, like I think I saw a glimpse of Clancy's house, uh, like the barn and and that stuff, and the and the camper and stuff that I was designing, and you know, it's definitely like jumped off of the design and taken somewhere else. 
Yeah, we were, you know, because you designed the treehouse, Adventure Time Treehouse, which is such an iconic location, and it has such your stamp on it. And so when people think of Adventure Time, they think of Finn and Jake, and I think they also think of the treehouse, you know? Mm -hmm, So those are the three things they really identify, because they're always there. You know, that's that thing. That's their home base. They're always there. Yeah, and that treehouse is on so much stuff. It's on so much Adventure Time packaging. And it's like my – it's like I was like, man, if I just got royalties off of that one (laughs) fucking drawing, I would probably never have to work again. (laughs) Yeah, so it was like because we were trying to make Midnight Gospel so different from Adventure Time, having the guy who designed the treehouse design also the main location of Midnight Gospel was a little scary. Yeah, I know why. What was what, what? Why? Why did you guys ask me to do that? Um, I think because ultimately we like weighed it in our minds. We were like, I think, I you know, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but it, it came down to this thing where we knew you could come up with really cool environmental, like lived-in feeling. Yeah. Uh, for that world and with an eccentric sort of take where it would be a lot of that, you know, cause he's sort of squatting there mm-hmm. in that spot. It's sort of similar to Finn and Jake where they were squatting in that tree basically. Mm-hmm. So it, it just felt like you would be able to, cause we kind of fucked around a little bit before you came on, like trying to come up with that environment, like where he was and it just didn't it felt a little stiff or something Mm. and so we thought okay we'll just have dan um rough out some basic idea and and then um if we're too worried that it's going to look too much like adventure time we'll just take his designs and then have someone else redraw it basically Mm -hmm. so it looks different enough um so basically we had um, Ellie Michalka put her stamp all over top of your stamp mm-hmm. to give it like a once removed sort of um, feeling, but it's still your shapes. Like it's still your, um, and your, your um, ideas. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that was basically what we, 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 we hemmed and hawed about it for a little bit. But, yeah, that's so but, funny. Yeah. Yeah. But then ultimately it's like, well, I mean, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna do an awesome job. So, let's just fuck it who cares (laughs) yeah yeah that was fun that was fun and and it's so nice like you know because i've i've done a lot of other projects but there's something about like you know reconnecting and working with you guys that like i don't even i don't know like that it just flows so much easier like that one week of viz dev that i did for you guys like i got i i had so many good ideas in that one week and like like probably more than any other week that I did all last year of like all the other viz devs that I did, you know, it's just like some kind of magical, weird, like, you know, voodoo that like is just in the air when we're like working on something together. It's so fun. Yeah. It's good that it's, I mean, uh, you know, I'm always thankful that Penn somehow, uh, you know, Penn's got this star power that people trust him. It seems like. And um, so he can, bring in a bunch of people that he, he trusts. And it's nice to be able to be a person that pen pen trusts to, to kind of go nuts, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. So like, it's almost like being under his protective umbrella or something. Um, that's, uh, that's what our relationship has been 
at least over the over the years. Yeah. Yeah. And he had asked me to storyboard on it. He offered me a storyboard position on it, but it was at the exact same time that I was being offered to, you know, do the visual development for Mark's Mark Osborne's new animated oh. feature. Um, the, those, those offers were basically at the same time and, you know, doing the, the viz dev for, for Mark's animated feature with Netflix was a better artistic fit for me, you know, cause you know, the viz dev is more in my wheelhouse than the, than the, um, than the storyboarding, you know, I've done like maybe six storyboards or something like that. So still very much like something that, you know, I, I need more experience with and, and it was, it's so very tempting because I was like, oh, man, this would be so much fun to, like, work with these guys. And, and, I, yeah. and I definitely felt good. Like, okay, if Penn wants me to board, like, that actually gives me confidence in my storyboarding and my limited storyboarding abilities. Like, you know, because, yeah. like, you know, he, I did my boards in front of him on, on Flapjack. So, he you know, he knows right. what, I can, what I can and can't do boarding pretty much. He, I think he's seen well, all I, my boards. I think Penn... Penn is always, uh, when it comes to board artists, Penn likes to take risks. And if he likes just, a, if he thinks someone's got good ideas, he, he'd rather have that than someone who's really technically professional at storyboarding. You totally, know? totally, totally. Yeah. So that was like, I was like, oh, like last year was a year of like, I kept getting like awesome projects, but like I was yeah. working on this awesome project. So it was like, you yeah. know, it was a weird year. I got offered like two full years of work last year, basically, and just had to turn a whole year of work down because like I was just, you know, really in a good place, you know, doing that viz dev on Mark's movie. But yeah, that's a, I mean, you can't complain, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was so excited. I mean, that was definitely one of my, that was the thing that I wanted to do the most uh, was, was VizDev for feature. And then it was like, boom, hey, one of your friends is offering you a great opportunity to do VizDev and feature. It's like, oh my God, this is so perfect. Yeah, what's up with, um, what's up with the difference between, I've never worked in feature. So is that a completely different ballgame? Um, well, it, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, Yes, because the money there's more money and there's more time theoretically. Um, if you're on the right project, like I was, you know, Netflix obviously has a lot of money to throw around, and uh, and and doing the VizDev on Marks, like you know, is the is a really I came on in the in, in the in the beginning of the production. You know, they're 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 going they're they did a year of production. They got like a couple more years before you know this thing this thing comes out. Um, so, you know, I was doing, you know, just a lot of like, they're still figuring out the stuff and like refining the script, like while I'm doing VizDev and like some of the stuff I'm doing is like already irrelevant. And like, so it was, it was cool. It was like very much in the formative process of the project. Um, and working with Mark, like they gave me just like total freedom and just would give me a different prompt every week or two. And I would just do like a whole bunch of of VizDev and, and, uh, you know, I was mostly doing black and white stuff, but really wanting to get my coloring chops up for the VizDev. Cause when I would apply my like flat color to it, it yeah. wouldn't really look good with the looser VizDev, uh, drawing. So, you know, I was starting to like develop a looser painting style, which was really fun. And even after the project ended, I was still just kind of getting my, you know, coloring style down and, and I've stayed on, like, even, even though I'm off the project, I'm still like practicing, like coloring. Like I, I turned in over a hundred, 
pieces of visual development for them last year and i'm my plan is to color all of them i probably colored like 30 of them and my plan is to like color all of them to get like my chops up super good and 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 i've just like kept kept like turning in colored versions of of all my stuff even even after i'm on the project but but it was super fun um you know i think that sometimes it's not like uh you know i was doing I did a little bit of viz dev for SpongeBob three right before that, and the I had a pretty good experience on it. But like I talked to some of the other people on it, and they felt like the production was kind of a mess. And and mm-hmm. one of my friends that was working on it was like, "Yeah, I thought this was going to be more fun, and we were going to have more time, but it isn't really working out like that." So I think certain projects, like it depends on kind of who's managing it. But the way that Mark and and uh, and Lip Carmela the 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 art director um, were, were, were doing it with me. It was just like, they gave me all the time I wanted. They were just letting me get all my wacky ideas out and, and they were just eating it up. So it was like, it was, it was perfect. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever have another one like, like that chill and cool again, you know, but yeah, yeah, it was like, it was super fun. Like I could definitely do a lot more of that. Um, And, and hopefully will, cause you know, the Netflix is just like booming right now. And, and like I said, I'm about to start, doing i'm about to jump into some visual development on alex hirsch's new netflix project um in like another week or so so you know i don't know i don't know exactly how long that'll be but maybe i'll end up you know doing some doing doing another whole chunk for that or 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 some other project so i'm definitely like it's like the most excited i've been in a while like i'm always really excited about the work that i'm working on and i'm always like fully engaged in it but like you know, I've been kind of working in one way for like, you know, the 17 years of my illustration career where I'm like drawing it and inking it with a brush and like coloring it in Photoshop with like flat color. So all of a sudden to be like, to have this avenue open up where they're like, you know, basically we want like the craziest ideas you can come up with and it can be looser and you can just like have like tons of fun with it and you don't have to worry about like like super finishing stuff because you know taking something you know that that's always like the you know the 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 hardest part of pieces in a lot of ways is that final like locking down all the color balancing out and all the you know like fine-tuning all the details going through finishing you know fixing all your corrections you know like i mean the, the finishing process of stuff is like half the time you spend on a piece so the fact that you really don't have to finish stuff to that level in viz dev it's it's so much looser and more fluid and funky like it's it's I feel like really excited like I just discovered this whole new avenue and like because I am such like I feel like creative ideas are my biggest asset um that you know it it could be a really good fit to to end up doing a lot more like 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 last year at a certain point I told my wife I'm like wow I think I could do like some of my best work in VizDev like I think this could really be a great fit Yeah Yeah that actually um it's funny because uh, I, I I had to teach myself Photoshop last year. Essentially, I'd only my whole life I'd only used Photoshop to clone stamp like fixed scans. Yeah, really. <laughs> That's funny. Just fixed dust particles in scans that right, I had made. Right. So I I completely learned basically everything I could about Photoshop in order to do this art directing gig, um, and I had to learn on the fly basically as i was going which i was afraid i was going to get fired because i didn't know i didn't know shit about photoshop and what i found was over the course of the year working with photoshop you know how you can you can select different areas of color and then just keep 
scrolling over the hue hue changing until everything works exactly quote unquote correctly. Right. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like it, like it all harmonizes. Yeah, it all you just keep you keep running the bar, the hue bar right, right. like in different directions until your eye locks in with something yeah. or something, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. Just something I had never done before. And at first, I really, really resented it. And then after a while, I just got used to it and just accepted it. And then when I was done that job and I went back to – because I hadn't really worked on my comics in a while. I went back to hand painting again. Mm-hmm. I was staring at I was staring at my paint and I was – I felt paralyzed. Like I couldn't – I was afraid to make a choice without being able to see it and change it whenever I wanted. Right. So I had to really – I had to go back to this Zen execution kind of thing, like this make one choice, make, you know, the first choice is the best choice kind of thing. Right. Um, which, which Photoshop can really train out of you. Um, which, uh, which was interesting to me. I can see, and I still use it sometimes. Um, now I, I hated it at first, but now I can see the benefit of that sort of going going in and nudging shit mm-hmm. so sometimes i'll scan i'll scan something i'm working on and then nudge it in photoshop a little bit you know whatever in certain values and stuff um so that's a tool i learned but i i still go back to i think it's a healthy thing to go back to that old way of believing in your first impression kind of thing yeah um just training that muscle uh, for me, it's important to be able to not question my my myself. Uh, yeah, I think that's how I end up making more stronger work um, and less, you know, because you can you can overwork something to the point where it looks so polished and looks so perfect that it has no personality. Um, and I think that the rougher, more like whatever, the the, the more brutal i guess your decision making is in the beginning i think um uh is what carries that power i guess yeah yeah anyway yeah totally yeah i know i've always wanted to get back to analog coloring like but yeah after doing so much in photoshop like it does i don't do the i don't do the the what you just described like i know what that is but i don't do it yeah. like i i actually do just like like uh i color all on one layer and i'm just like uh yeah. you know coloring it in with the pen tool you know with with the wacom pen like yeah. i'm using like i try to keep my process as like analog as possible so i'm just like coloring yeah. over and over again and i'll like you know i don't really use any like tricks or anything but yeah just the ability to you know like evolve your color scheme you know over days and days and days and keep swapping out colors and stuff yeah it's like it's hard to imagine going back and not having that like i feel like it would involve a lot more color studies to like work it out first and then go in and do it yeah actually you know it's funny it's like um my photoshop files were super simple also um so i would have maybe i don't know 20 layers sometimes like if i was really ambitious but everything was everything was super clean you know i just would do blocks of color and um and then some of the painters that were working on the show 
they would hand in their files and their files would be like upwards. I mean, some of the, the layers would be empty and stuff like they were working really sloppy. But I remember one guy, this one guy had a file that was like a thousand fucking layers. Oh my God. That's you know? crazy. Like, it's like, it's like five gigabytes. It's one background. Yeah. It's so like it, it could barely like the, our computers could barely handle even working on them. They were wow. so, I was like, dude, you gotta smash this thing down. Like this is so over, uh, over the top what you're doing. <laughs> you that is so funny. But I think that's a guy who trained himself on, you know, he learned how to draw with a Cintiq. Right. Like he learned how to draw. Photoshop was how he first learned how to draw. Yeah. I think. And there's a lot of younger kids who are like that. So they're used to working in a certain really micromanaging way over, not everybody's like this, but a lot of, I noticed a lot of the people on the show were used to working in really, really messy, complex layer system. Wow. That, it was so hard to dig through if there was a mistake. I, I just I'm going on a treasure hunt trying to find these layers. <laughs> oh my uh, God, you're like trying to just click it and it won't select it because yeah, there's too I many layers. Feel, yeah, I'd be like banging my head against the screen and I would go back <laughs> to them and be like, dude, you got to show me where this shit is because it's so insane what you did. <laughs> like, wow. You know, and then I would look at my files and they're so simple. Uh, and I'd be like, am I doing something wrong? I think it, it still looks good. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. But that's just a different, yeah, a different way people grew up drawing. Everything to me was first first try, you know. Make a line, that's, that's the line. Uh, like if you have a whiteout pen, okay, do it again. But you can't do it too many times or else you build up too much whiteout, you know. Right. Um, you got to like – and. When I was a kid, when I was in high school, my friend Nate and I, my friend Nate, would we would compete with each other about this idea. We wouldn't use pencils. We would only use pens because you couldn't fix it. You couldn't fix your line, basically. Yeah. So we were almost like these art jock guys. Like, our our first line is always perfect. You know, that kind <laughs> of like thing. super aggressive art creation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's how we competed. We, we would just draw hands all day, trying to do it in one shot, like drawing difficult stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's how I learned. Like everything is like the first, your first idea. Don't build up too much. Um, I don't know. But, you know, everybody works differently. I, I just was shocked. I'm, I'm shocked by sometimes other people's process. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now when you were, when you're working on the show and you're drawing everything in the Cintiq, do, do you feel like you got more used to drawing in the Cintiq and, and did you like that or? Yeah, I got used to it. At first I couldn't design anything on a Cintiq. I, I would sit there uh, the first couple weeks, I would sit there trying to come up with something on a Cintiq and I just like throw a temper tantrum and be like, this thing doesn't, facilitate creativity I just can't. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah that's mostly how i feel like i i love coloring in it but i can't i just don't have the will or the ability to like draw s something from scratch on the centique so far yeah yeah so i would go i would do a rough drawing on paper scan it in and then draw over it on mm -hmm. the sense um that's how i did it for the first i would say first two or three months um on on midnight and then after a while, I got used to it, and I did start designing on the Cintiq. Um, and then, like, um, I, I hit like a stride where I was 
completely just doing it on a Cintiq unless I really hit a wall, mm-hmm. especially for environments, like trying to draw envi- environmental ideas. Characters I was able to draw on the Cintiq, but any kind of environmental design stuff, I would start to have to at least rough out some idea on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but then like over time, even that I started being able to do straight onto the screen um, and then when the job was over, it's like that skill left my body. And I went back to only being able to design stuff on paper. Again. Oh my God. That's hilarious. It's like stayed with the job. I think it's, it's like, um, working out. Like you just have to keep working out. And if you stop, you get fat or something. Right. I don't know. Yeah. 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 So I would have to build that, that skill back up again. I think if I did it again, I would yeah. just have, cause it just doesn't feel it's like, um, it's like this extra appendage I don't need. And, uh, um, I get why it's essential for modern cartoon production, but I just personally don't in my life. I don't need it. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. All my best ideas look, all my best looking ideas are made on paper. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel the same way. I mean, I, I never, I mean, everybody was working on, antiques pretty much when even when i was on adventure time and i was just like no i'm drawn on paper (laughs) yeah Yeah, i yeah even you know i i for me uh a lot has to do even with the quality of the paper and the like the sketchbook it's in or whatever like um the um what do you call it i get fancy draw sketchbooks and stuff Uh because i like I like the feel of it in my hand and mm. it makes me feel like drawing. That's cool. So, so that, that, um, I don't know. That's a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely got used to drawing on copy paper on adventure time. I'd still draw like a lot on copy paper, like not my actual illustrations, but like, um, if I'm doing like the, a lot of that viz dev stuff I did like on copy paper and stuff. Cause like at first I remember I was like, they were like, all right, what do you need to do the backgrounds? I'm like, all right, yeah, some pens and some watercolor paper. And they got me like a couple pads of watercolor paper. And like, yeah. I remember some of the original, like evicted, like Marceline cave stuff was like, <laughs> I have it. Yeah. It's like on water, like toothy watercolor paper and stuff. And then at a yeah. certain point they were like, yeah, this is too expensive. You got to draw on <laughs> copy paper. You can't draw on watercolor. <laughs> you can't do all these backgrounds on watercolor paper. Yeah. I mean, on, on Midnight Gospel, actually, I was buying my own paper. Cause I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to ask. Yeah. Um, I was, it's too much. I like the, the process of getting them to budget that for me was like uh, too much of a headache. Yeah. Too much of a headache. I was like, Oh, can you, uh, can you write me an invoice for the, all this nice paper you're getting? I was like, nah, fuck, you know, fuck that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I hate invoicing in the first place and I'm not going to invoice you for some rulers and paper I need to get. (laughs) It does kind of feel petty, right? You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, yeah. So I, yeah, I would, I would bike down to the, there was a Blake art store near kind of nearby and I would just go get pads of paper and stuff. Cause I needed to draw. I could, I can't, I, yeah, personally I need to draw on nice paper. Yeah. I, it's, it's gotten to that point with me uh, where I didn't need that a long time ago, but now there's a certain feel I've gotten used to and I just need like a certain thickness um, in order to feel like, uh, it's like a ritual thing. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel that with my illustrations. Like I need like a toothy thick paper yeah. to like really get the, you know, start digging into it. 
Yeah, yeah. It makes you feel like invested or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, it's substantial. And then it's going to be kicking around like, you know, the the like the originals, like, you know, they kick around and I bring them around and, you know, share them with people if I'm doing a talk or something like that. Like originals yeah. have so much magic to them, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's a that's a big thing for me is having originals like around concept art that would just be on a hard drive if I wasn't, you know, uh, hard drives. This gets into a whole thing with me about archiving digital archiving to me is just complete unless you're a, a really organized person and a neat freak and everything is backed up triple backed up like you're gonna lose all that shit yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah i'll just gonna get lost in some mess of like hill of fucking digital archive half finished drawings and shit whereas if i've got it all in a flat file i can just pull it out and you're just flipping through all my history of drawings basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I've got these, you know, I, that's why I buy moleskin, like really nice moleskin sketchbooks and stuff, because I can just put it on my bookshelf yeah. and it's all there and it's presentable. And eventually I can go back and people like to flip through them. They, yeah. you know, you know, friends of mine who come over, they're like, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm working on this project. This is all my concept art for it. I've got it all in a nice book. And people are like, this is fucking awesome. Like, yeah, that's so cool. You've got these full paintings in this, like, you know, in this really nicely bound book. Um, to me, that's like really, that's really important. I don't know. It, it makes me feel good about my history of work. Yeah. I, I could not do it if it was all just on a computer. Like, that to me is bullshit. It's, yeah. it, and I've lost so much work. Um, <laughs> and that's my, maybe my own problem. But as computers advance, and hard drives, whatever you've got backed up on a hard drive that you've got to now find some rare adapter now to like, you yeah, know? You, yeah, you constantly have to adapt like get a new hard drive and get everything up on there. And like, yeah, it's like, doesn't like I've lost so much shit and you know, I've lost so many photos, like just because of that. Um, and, and f- photography is completely disposable. You know, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I know. That is so weird. I would feel so weird if I was a photographer now. Like, imagine if there was an app where, like, on everybody's phone and they could just they could just make a dope illustration, like, by clicking a button. <laughs> like, you're just like, oh, I can point this camera and just go to illustration mode and boom, I just came up with a super fresh, original, unique illustration. I'd be like, fuck. Well, actually, this um, someone on my Instagram um a friend of mine was using some app that turns your photo into like what looks like a Renaissance painting or whatever. Yeah. I've seen some of those, like, yeah, I've seen some of that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh shit, they're coming for my job. You know? <laughs> but it's not, you know, maybe it'll be like, like they won't, they, they'll never like get into the niche area that I'm in. Uh, but but AI, AI art making is on the way. Like yeah. it's, um, yeah. What would then, you think if like, there was a, like what, like in the future, there's like AI artists and they're like fresher than anybody. Like it's coming out with the weirdest shit you've ever seen. And you're like, fuck, this is so dope. Like, what, like, what would you think? You know, the, I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like, I think also it's going to be one of those things where, um, uh we're just gonna have to be in separate categories you know it's it's like oh isn't this really good for a human 
you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So you think that you think that there will be like better AI art than like human art at some point? I don't point? know. It, yeah, pro- maybe it seems like maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's like that's the thing people say when they talk about AI, AI beating, ch- you know, grandmaster chess champion people. Yeah. And like go beating them at go and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, OK, that's fine. They can beat the humans. But let the AI compete with themselves because it's still a testament to human accomplishment as far as humans beating other humans. Like, yeah. why do we why do we have to compete with AI? Like, it's a to- completely different category. It's like it's like um, competing in a competing in a triathlon against Zeus or something. You yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, I'm not a fucking god. Like, yeah. So let's just let's just keep the competition amongst humans. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to have to be that kind of thing at some point. Like this is really good for, for a biological human being or something. Uh, and that, that'll get weirder when we start merging with the merging with the cloud and merging with, um, we all become cyborgs or whatever. Right. right. Yeah. 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 That's really it. It's like, everybody's like us versus AI, but you're like, yeah, we're kind of the, just the same thing. Like we're kind of just developing along the same track and getting closer and closer to like, now it's in your pocket. Now it's in your body. Now it is your body. Now, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, maybe at some point, yeah, there'll be a line between, you know, I'll be talking to, maybe I'll be old at this point, but I'll be talking to someone and I'll be like, I made a, you know, I made a drawing and I don't know. I, you know, art is subject. Luckily art is pretty subjective. So uh, maybe you can, you know, if you were trying to be a photorealistic photorealism painter, I think you're kind of fucked. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Technician. Yeah. If you're a technician, you might be out of luck. I still, I still have a hard time believing that a, that they'll be able to make a computer, that can, I don't know, do whatever we do on the abstract creative level, coming up with these strange combinations of ideas that make some sort of sense to the collective unconscious of 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 humanity. Like, you right. know, I'll be like, really? I mean, I get nothing. Nothing's impossible. Obviously, everything is possible. Yeah. But like, that'll be a real shock. Like, I'll be like, holy shit! Like, if I saw yeah. a real funky original fucking illustrations that were completely ai i'd be like fuck that that would blow my mind the most i think yeah i think overall you know if you scroll through art the art section of instagram you there's so much fucking garbage so ai will probably wipe all that stuff out (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) and just people be like oh why bother drawing because ai is so good at making um basic ass art you know yeah uh, and then the people who actually have some an identity that's tied into how they grew up and all this kind of stuff and and like has a have a unique voice. I mean, I think AI will also create their own unique voices, wow, right? Wow, that's so weird to think about. Um, but it won't be what you would do, yeah, right? Uh, because you're you're uh, you're you you're the culmination of a history of like taste and stuff that developed over time and particular interests and stuff. So I don't think, I don't think AI, I think AI could probably come up with your voice, like iterating over uh, like a million 
years or something, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just by chance. But like, I don't think, um, yeah, I think your the chances of you get like individual, like more whatever unique artists um, getting edged out of their category, their careers or whatever. I think might be. I think you you're safe, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember but how weird it was just on Adventure Time to see when when it started to be like you know the the you start to I, I would be there and be like oh wow I didn't draw this background like this looks like I drew it but I didn't draw it like to have that happen where it was a uh, where it was completely computer done would be so strange. Uh, do you remember that Takashi Six Nine? Did you see that? When yeah, he... where he where he's like he got like the Candy Kingdom stuff in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Is that your drawing? Uh it probably is, right? I mean, it's yeah. like it was on it was like uh yeah, I'm not really like I, I don't know a lot about him, but like I've seen yeah. that image and I think I can't remember how hard I looked at it and I I can't remember if it was like a sloppy redraw or if it was yeah. like uh the actual jacked, you know, uh like a, uh, like... uh Candy Kingdom background, but that's pretty yeah. funny. <laughs> Yeah, I remember someone, that was the first time I heard of it, someone DM'd me and was like, what do you think of um, Takashi 69 jacking this Adventure Time artwork for his album cover? And I looked at it and I was like, who the fuck is Takashi 69? <laughs> yeah, I think he just got, I think he's getting released from jail or something right oh, now. Oh, is he really? I think they're letting him out because of the corona. Oh, shit. Well, good for him. Yeah, anyway. but I don't know enough about it. I know that people want to murder him or something i don't know yeah i think he's <laughs> I'm, saying, not I'm not sure if it's good that he's getting out i don't know i gotta yeah gotta read up on it yeah um yeah i don't know i heard a, I, I heard i think i heard one or two songs of his it's pretty aggressive, definitely pretty aggressive. Yeah. yeah, through Ghost Scouts, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I definitely have, I'm more in touch than I would be with the uh, younger demographics and stuff, because you know, th- yeah. there's usually a whole handful of you know twenties and you know early twenties and stuff that that comes through Ghost Scouts and and kind of join our our whole collective there. And so yeah, I've definitely been exposed to a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have, <laughs> definitely wouldn't have ever known about, which is pretty cool. It's definitely one of the things that I like about it. Yeah. It's fun uh, to have like an organic connection with like a lot of people that are in a different way of thinking than you. Like it's really interesting to see that. Yeah, I was getting that a little bit of that by just going to a gym. Yeah, yeah. And, and probably working on gospel too, right? There's some young people in there working and stuff. Yeah, but they were just like in the anime and shit. I don't yeah. know, you know. I didn't hear about they were I didn't hear about too much of the hip uh new shit that was like going on yeah uh, on people's playlists and stuff right so i i don't know how i was hearing about sometimes i just try to keep my ear out just to know what like i can be able to at least reference know the reference that people are talking about so you know when all the trap music was coming out and stuff i kind of kept my ear to the ground a little bit like i just wanted to know yeah who these names were uh just so i don't completely edge out of society <laughs> yeah yeah uh you know but i'm definitely you know i'm definitely a lot especially when it comes to hip-hop and stuff i'm trapped in sort of the 90s 
uh, and early 2000s, basically. Well, that's but, a good place to be trapped. I mean, the 90s, fucking gold, <laughs> golden era, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard for me to value anything too much uh, currently. Although there's some there's some some things that have come out that I've, I've enjoyed, but um, like I like that. Um, what do you call it? What's his name? I like. <laughs> Um, I, 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 maybe I should stop talking because I'm going to come off like super old. But What's that man's name? That that yeah. off, off future? What is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I've like, like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've like completely turned into an old dude. Yeah. Well, it's inevitable, and it's cool. I mean, I like it. I've, I've always. I mean, I think like feeling feeling old or people getting worried about being old i think is always a function of just like it means that you expected to be a different person by now and you're not there yet you know like or like you thought you would be at a different station in life by this age and you're not there and i've like i don't know i've never had that feeling you know i've always just been like oh like my life's getting better every year and like it makes more sense every year and like i get to do doper and doper shit every year and it gets kind of easier every year to to be me and and do my thing so like i've always felt really good about getting older i always thought it was kind of odd that people would like i don't know it's like I feel like it should be like a cool, dignified thing. Like you're like, oh shit! <laughs> yeah. Like I'm fucking like I'm turning forty in August, and I'm like pretty fucking pumped about it. Like, like I always like tell people when it's my half birthday. Like my birthday is August fourteenth, so Valentine's Day is my half birthday, and I'm like, it's my half birthday, and like my whole life, I've always been like super pumped about half birthdays and stuff and like my birthday and everything and everybody else is like what are you fucking talking about a half birthday like i don't know i'm like really into like birthdays and like getting older and stuff it's maybe it's odd but yeah i think uh as you get older you kind of figure out you get more closer closer to figuring out what you actually like yeah and then you sort of modify your lifestyle around around dialing in that thing that you really like yeah so it, it life gets pretty specific um, as you get older, I think. And it's hard to like, I think part of me wants to stay in touch with being able to change and stuff. Like I want to be, be flexible, but as I get older, it definitely does seem to happen where I'm like, yeah, I like doing this. I don't like doing this. Yeah. And, and that's just, uh, that's why I know this about myself now. Why would I, why would I cause myself to you know, put myself into a situation where I'm like not psyched on, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. So it's got a lot more of that, a lot more very routine, sort of like I do exactly what I want to do kind of thing. Um, uh, and for better or for worse, I guess, you know, so I, I try to keep it in the back of my mind, like, oh, don't get, don't calcify, like completely, like really try to stay open to new things. So that's why I try to still be aware of things happening in the world and not completely tune everything out and just do my own thing or else I think that'll affect my work too much. Like I won't, I won't be, I won't keep, you know, I want, I'm, I'm scared of not growing. So I, I gotta, you know, keep, uh, some tethered to some, some current stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think you always have to be out there exploring new territory, whether it's in yeah. in mainstream reality or outside of it or whatever like i think if you go too deep down your own rabbit hole then yeah it all just becomes like 
too self-referential and like yeah. you know you just you, you you're just kind of breathing the same stale air the whole time like you definitely yeah. have to find you have to follow that intuition and keep exploring and keep wanting to push yourself out of your comfort zone like i think a lot of people I think our culture in general tries to really corral people into comfort, like, like big couch, big TV, entertainment, Netflix, fucking comfort food. Like everything is based on comfortable and like building a den and like getting in it and like staying there. Cause that's kind of where mainstream reality and like all the profiteers like want you to be like, just like going about your mindless business and like consuming and like, you know, and, and doing their thing. But you know, really, the, the the true happiness and 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 it, it really is in the is in the evolution, is in the growth, is in getting out and 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 following that intuition and seeing what that next adventure is for you, and and to keep keep that alive in some way. Like when you're young, it's like everything's an adventure, right? Like everything you do, like I'm going to fucking go out all night tonight with my friends and we're going to fucking break car windshields and do like every night could be like an epic, insane adventure where like anything is happening. And like the older you get, it seems like less of those type of things happening, but you can still set out like, you know, amazing like goals and, and kind of things that you're like, really like, ah, oh, this is the next, I always feel like what's the next level of evolution for me. Like, that's always what I'm thinking about. Yeah. That's yeah. And I'm thinking, I think about a lot of times I think about what am I afraid of kind of, yeah. you know? So if I'm, if, if, if I'm afraid of something, that means I kind of have to explore it. That's, yeah. that's how I feel. Yeah. So I try, I try to check in with my fears uh every once in a while and be like okay what what thing is like bugging me what's making me afraid and then i try to i'm like okay so if that's making me afraid what what could i do in my life that will will expand my thoughts and feelings um in in, to, to be able to absorb that um so it might mean like going and doing something or it might just mean like sort of some sort of like in, internal work that I got to do, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm always trying to like, it's almost like mo- keep modifying, keep modifying so that I'm not right. Breathing the same air all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a concern I have in my life. I just don't want to keep recycling the same air. Yeah. Uh, so as what's, you said. The, what's the next evolution for you? Like, what are you super, what are you super hyped about? Like the, you know, in the future, like with your career, well, I think that's that stuff uh I think that stuff is almost like a second thought. Like mm. it, the career stuff follows my personal journey, like my 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 intellectual and emotional personal journey, right? So it's more like um what you know, what am I I think because whatever I'm doing in my life or thinking about in my life dictates how my work turns out, mm-hmm. like the stories I tell and stuff. So I'm, I, I'm trying to like, um, uh, for example, um, I, the reason why I got so into jujitsu, uh, uh, like four years ago and then, uh, was, well, part of it is, so the competition part, um, going and competing and like fighting dudes, uh, like, um, I hate doing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it may, it fills me with like this dread and fear. And so, um, every time I, I, I competed like two months ago or something and it was, um, it was really challenging 
thing and it um and I totally failed and I I I got beat twice and then I was like in this like depression for like a week <laughs> after that yeah and I was like I don't ever want to compete again I don't ever want to do that again and I was like oh because I don't want to do that again it means I have to do that again yeah do it, do that makes sense so like um so whatever I went through that even though it's like who gives a shit it's just a game like it's just really it's not it doesn't have that high stakes for some reason it really affects me emotionally yeah and it has this power to dominate my ability my my winning mindset or whatever like i don't believe in myself i believe i'm gonna lose like all this kind of stuff yeah so going into it i I, when afterwards i like examined myself i was like why did i think i was gonna lose before i even walked on the mat like that kind of stuff you know Mm -hmm. why did i have to convince myself halfway through the match that i could win and that actually i was winning the whole match uh and then started to not believe in myself in the last like 30 seconds which cost me the match you know so things like that, I'm like, that says a lot about whatever's going on in my mind, uh, whatever thing I haven't resolved yet or haven't like triumphed over my own like mind over matter kind of thing. So I'm like, okay, I need to work on that stuff. Um, so I'm like 42 and I'm still working through sort of like mental, uh, the men- mental challenges, like defeating myself and that kind of thing. Like maybe like, so, um, what do you call it? Um, self-sabotage self and that kind of thing so i'm like okay stuff is like not resolved and i'm learning through fighting right and then that also translates to the way i present myself at um a pitch meeting or something like that maybe that's why i couldn't explain to the executives what my show was fucking about like (laughs) right right so so that kind of that kind of stuff i'm like okay this is like personal work i need to i need to figure out and if i do i think that translates to um to my artistic output also yeah well, so, it's like you're I, talking about like basic character building stuff that i feel like is very underrated in society today you know go do, uh, setting these goals going into these personal challenges getting out of your comfort zone and really seeing what you're made of and then finding out damn man sometimes i made them really soft stuff and i need to like yeah, yeah. harden this up so i can like really accomplish all the other goals that I want. Cause yeah, your internal dialogue is everything, right? Like if, if, yeah. if, if the voices, this is something that I talk a lot about in, in ghost scouts and in the, and in the workshop or just, you know, whenever we're just like, whenever we're rapping with people, it's like, if you have a whole bunch of voices in your head that are super negative and they're cutting you down all the time, you need to yeah. find a way to get away from that. You, you like you wouldn't hang out with a group of people who shit on you nonstop day and night. But a lot of people have that problem in their own mind. And like yeah. th- the way to defeat that is to just go into it and set these challenges. And and when you come up and you don't like what you see inside yourself to find a way to route that out and keep going into it until it dissipates because it will dissipate. It breaks up. It's like a it's like a calcified like knot in your body somewhere and and you just have to be you just have to kind of keep coming back to it and chipping away at it until it's gone because it does like that like what you're saying like you go there and you lose and you're like what was i even thinking like i'm such a fucking idiot i'm such a piece of shit blah blah <laughs> but then you're like wait a minute no i'm not this is good i am the kind of i, I want to be the kind of person that will go hey i want to learn jujitsu and hey i want to fucking go and compete and i'd like to fucking win some of these matches sometimes you know and like and and going that and being like man like this feels like shit but 
and I'm assuming you know the the conversations that you're having in your head at that point are are similar to ones that I have where you have a great failure and then you're like I never want to feel this way again and I'm going to turn this this feeling that's making me sick to my stomach thinking about myself right now I'm going to use that as fuel and motivation to to train and to do these things so that next time it comes around I'm not going to feel this way again. I might feel 75% this bad or 50% this bad, but I'm not going to feel like this again unless I don't. But but I can guarantee that if I don't do anything, I will feel like this again a thousand times over in front of a girl, in front of a presentation, in front of this, in front of that, right? Yeah. It's like walking. It's like learning how to walk a razor, you know, just uh, it's such a thing that if, if it's presented to me like, okay, I there's something I was deficient in mentally. So what is that? And I just get curious about it. And I'm like, okay, I can't just let this lie here. I can't just like, just accept that about myself. It's something I, you know, I've got, I've got maybe, you know, I don't know, 40, 50 more years to like work this shit out, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, you know, so I know why not? Like I got nothing else to do, you know? So, yeah. And I don't think it ever like goes away, but I think you just learn to manage it and that doesn't matter anymore. Like now, like, you know, I'll still have all these like hater voices, these, these second guessing voices, these imposter syndrome voices that will try to invade my mind, but it just doesn't take hold anymore. It just doesn't latch. It just slip. It's like yeah. my mind is all lubed up and it just slides right off, you know? That's good, man. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to. I. I think I, I. I have a tendency to dwell on on that kind of stuff, like kind of beating myself up. So yeah, uh, it, it's some. It's something I've been trying to. That's one of the things I'm. You know, trying. It, it. It can be a comfortable thing to like, um, to, to not believe in yourself or whatever. So, um, just you know those kinds of things, and just anytime like. Um, I think I don't know. Anytime I, I run up against a thing where I feel resistant to, uh, I have to weigh my mind whether or not it's going to be healthy for me to try not to resist it. Right. You know? So that those those are the kind of things. I forget how we got on this. Well, because I was asking you, like, what's the you know where what what's the kind of projection from here? You know what what's the yeah. where you know where do you want to go from here? So so you want to you know kind of get into more of this like character building and and kind of just you know mastering your own uh, mental landscape. Yeah, and I think that always leads to new opportunities. Like, For sure. Like I don't, that might sound like kind of mystical or whatever, but well, it is because you're engaging in your destiny. I always say like the universe meets you halfway. It's not going to come all the way. You have to go out there, and then the universe comes and meets you, and then that's where the destiny is. Right? That's when you're like yeah. wrestling with your destiny. But if, if you're just sitting there waiting, like it's yeah, you're you gonna can't be waiting sit, forever. Sit, you can't sit and wait. I learned that a long time ago. I yeah. can't. You can't sit and wait. You have to really be like working uh working on whatever even if it seems like you're working on nothing yeah working on something that will actually if you're i don't know there's a lot of factors but for me in my life that's that's the way it's i i've never worried that i'm not going to get a gig yeah that's cool that's good uh it's always been like um if i just put in the work and i stay engaged and i i keep trying to push past my my whatever boundaries and my fears and stuff the opportunities will um present themselves and that i like that's a just real general rule of thumb and it's always seemed to work out like i you know i every every you know i go through big periods of time of not working mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, and that's all on purpose. Like I'm always in those times, like I save up money and then I just work on my own shit for months. Yeah. And, and during that time, um, when my money starts to run low, someone calls me and offers me a job. Like, I don't know. <laughs> totally. Don't... In my whole career, that's always happened. Like I've been, you know, we've been at it for probably about the same amount of time. You know, I've been doing it yeah. for 17 years. You probably got a couple more in there. And, and yeah, every time I've like desperately needed something or something big, you know, that I really wanted to come along, like it, it always comes along, but it's because I'm always chipping away at whatever I can do at my desk and keep getting stuff up and keep, keep staying busy and keep chasing my ideas. And that always yeah. translates into when I need it, something comes through, something is there. And it's always like the, a great project, you know, like my biggest projects, you know, the, the projects that I'm known for, those aren't projects that I went and found. Those were projects that found me because of the work I was putting out. It's because of the little stuff I could do to get my voice out into the world. And then those big feedbacks came back. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard to trust that. And I get why some people might not be in a position. Like it took me a long, long time to get to that position. So it's not like, you know, you know, you know, 10 years of, you know, whatever, doing medical experiments, they have enough money to survive and that kind of shit. Right. And, but then I reached a certain, like, uh, you know, there's some luck and stuff, but also there's also just, you know, whatever, grinding super hard, you know? Oh so, yeah. Wait, did you say that you did, you, you, did we talk about that before? How you said that you were doing medical trials, right? Like to prepare. Yeah. Yeah. I did some of that. Yeah. Um, at points where I was, I just had no options. I just had no money. <laughs> wow. And you were just like taking like an experimental fucking drug or therapy or whatever. It's like a, some drug that was supposed to soften your internal organs or something. I don't know. Dude. Oh my God. <laughs> but, and do you think you ever had any like bad effects from any of that? I don't know. I didn't notice anything. Oh man. So, yeah. yeah. I know. I cringe at all the things that I did just even like when you're young and like, when I was in college at Pratt, uh, I would like when I was at uh, when I was in the dark room, I wouldn't wear the gloves. I would just put my hands in all the chemicals. And like when I would paint, I would like like paint. I would get the paint all over me like I would paint like without a shirt on. And I'd have like cadmium paint like on my chest and stuff. It's like so bad for you. Like I just like would I stop and think about all the bad things that I've just chosen to do to myself when I was young? I was like, what the fuck man because i didn't give a shit i thought everything was like fucked up then so i was just like you know whatever <laughs> yeah. well could have been worse you know but we made it this far right this far. i'm still worried i'm gonna die of asbestos um exposure at some point in my life because you grew gonna... up in a house with asbestos no i i spent about five years in a warehouse that was just like leaking asbestos you oh, know god so I might I might end up dying of mesothelioma in like twenty years. Oh my God. But then I also think like maybe that's where like the weird ideas come from is like I poisoned <laughs> my body enough like to warp my mind like these chemicals have like seeped into my mind and that's where like the weird ideas come from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's still it's still in the back of my mind. I'm like every once in a while I'm like oh shit that fucking asbestos is gonna yeah. come. Get wow, mesothelioma Moynihan. Yeah, I would see those commercials on TV. Like, if you have meso mesothelioma, please contact us. Like, you know, you, you got know. that number in your phone already on speed dial. <laughs> You're ready to hit <laughs> the first sign of. <laughs> yeah. 
so uh so we'll wrap it up here but what's the uh what's the dream projects going forward are there any projects like on the uh, you know in your mind that you're like oh man like if i could do anything like these are the like i'd love to do this uh, or this just this this short film i'm trying to make like i you know i think i'm really you know it's coming together so i'm really i think it's going to be one of the best i think right now when i'm watching it i'm like this might be one of the best things i've made so I, i'm hoping that uh i'll be able to like fully executed all the way you know and so this is a project you said you storyboarded and you're making an animatic of and and you've had some contact in in pitching it and and you're hoping to pitch it and get it made yeah and if they don't want it i i might just like try to raise money to get it and like help get hire some people to help me animate it Mm -hmm. and then just put it in festivals and stuff i think but i'm before that i'm gonna try to talk you know it's always nice if some people can actually fund a thing and you know if i can get people to give me money to produce it and you know but i'm trying to make it as a standalone short film like not a pilot yeah and then but it's um but then it you know if people wanted to turn it into a series maybe that's possible right but i'm just trying to make a self-contained thing that's purely my idea purely no one's asking me anything about it i'm like this is purely a thing I think is good yeah. and without any feedback whatsoever, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's called Jesus too. And, uh, oh, shit. <laughs> so we'll see if it gets made. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, very excited as always. I love your shit. So, you know, very, very excited. I know people will be excited to, to, to get exposed to that whenever and of course uh the midnight gospel comes out on 420 so people should check that out now is it all going to dump on netflix at once yeah it's only eight episodes so i think it's just going to all come out at once sick i can't wait to see it the little clips that i've seen look super funny and i know it's just going to be amazing so yeah i can't wait yeah i'm super proud of it so awesome and then you also were you're also involved in uh, a short film that your brother's making right yeah, that's called uh, Rescued, and it's based around my brother's experience as a, he was like a first responder rescue, wilderness rescue guy. Oh, my God. Um, and so he's got all these stories, and um, so he kind of, he's been into screenwriting for the past couple of years, and so he's been writing scripts, and he wrote a, a short film based around his experiences, like, um, um, where he had to save this dude who had fallen off a cliff um, who was on acid. Oh my and, God. So he had this experience with this guy, uh, who was tripping balls <laughs> and his shit. fucking bones were like coming out of his legs and shit, you know? So, oh my God. Um, so it's not, it's not, it, it's based on that. So he, he wrote a whole story, like sort of inspired by his, his times. He's, he, you know, seeing people die and shit in the woods and all this kind of crazy shit. Wow. So, um, it's uh, it's sort of like a surreal film, um, you know. My brother's into a lot of sort of mystical thinking stuff, so it has that element in it also. Mm, that's cool. But yeah, he's um, you know, shout out to my brother. He's uh, he's trying to raise funds for it. He's about halfway raising funds, so it's called Rescued Film, and it's on um, Go. I think it's a GoFundMe. Cool. Yeah, send me the link, and I'll uh, I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. But um, it's a cool story, and yeah, and it's it's definitely like based on some real shit. Like um, not just that time, but another time, um, 
me a bunch of us were were in the woods and um this we happened upon uh we were on tour with our band and then a bunch of our band went on a hike in the woods and um these kids at this swimming hole this fucking dude had slipped off he was drunk and he had slipped off this tall rock and his brains were just blasted fucking all over the ground jesus christ yeah so it was like um like based on that and 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 based on my brother's experience with this guy on 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 acid in the woods wow that's awesome that sounds amazing (laughs) (laughs) it's like uh he turned it it's like sort of a comedy in a weird way yeah i don't know so uh yeah, I'll, I'll I'll send you a link to that shit. That's right. And you storyboarded the whole thing, or you storyboarded it together, or what? Uh, I I he wrote a script, and then I just followed the script, and I tried to come up with cool shots, yeah, suggestions basically, nice. and stage stage it so that he would have something solid to work with. I tried to flex my storyboarding chops for him. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I seen uh, you've been you you posted up a couple images from that. I think on Instagram yeah, or something, I never, right? I never uh, storyboarded a live action thing before, so that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But it's fun, man. Nice. Awesome, man. All right, cool. Well, where can people find you? Uh, I'm pretty much on, I'm just on Instagram as Jay Moines. And then, um, uh, you know, I've got a Patreon and stuff that you can find through my website at jessemoynihan.com if you want to support my comics and all that business and you want to see um actually like i've been posting a lot of stuff about my short film in like a private blog that's only related to my patreon so mm-hmm. all that stuff you can find on my website and if you want to see my sort of animation and cartooning process stuff and i write essay- essays on there and stuff and i do a lot of personal art projects um just so, in there and did you finish designing the tarot deck I finished designing the major, the major arcana, like uh-huh. the twenty-two ma- mo- most iconic cards, uh-huh. um, and then I was about to start printing them to give out to my Patreon Patreon supporters, and then this Corona shit hit, and uh, basically I'm trapped in my house and I can't go consult with this printing company that's downtown. And uh, so I'm basically, and also I was, and I got worried about my money because I wasn't sure if this next gig was going to happen, but it turns out the gig I think is happening. Yeah. So I think I'm going to, after I get maybe two more paychecks, once that starts at the end of April, I'm going to print up the tarot deck for, um, just for the people who support my Patreon. So, um, yeah. Nice. And then I'll, in about, a couple of years I'll probably finish the whole like 78 cards and then I'll, I'll make that available to the public. Wow. That's awesome. That's going to be super cool. Now, uh, on, uh, on, on one of the previous episodes, one of the, one of the, uh, more recent episodes, uh, I had ghost scout mama Geddon come on and she's really into tarot and esoteric knowledge and yeah. stuff. And she was doing a little adventure time tarot deck breakdown. Have oh. you ever seen any like adventure time tarot stuff? I think that'd be really cool. I've never seen it. Um, I've seen lots of lots of homebrew tarot decks, but I haven't seen I haven't seen the Adventure Time one. It'd be really cool to have a full Adventure Time tarot deck. 
someone should make one. <laughs> Boom. We both, <laughs> we both think that, so it should happen. Do it, people. Somebody do it. Somebody do it. Cool. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on again. It's been great to uh, to catch up, and, and we'll click off and just say bye on the other side here, but we can say bye to the listeners. All right. Oh, man, my stomach is grumbling. Nice. I know we've been, this, this turned into an epic, uh, we got two hours of, uh, of podcast here and we were, we chatted for like a good 45, 50 minutes before this. So <laughs> I definitely, it's funny. Last time we were on the pod, I had to pee in a cup and I had to pee in a cup for this one with you too. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Cool. All right. Well, we'll click off here. Boom. Okay. That is what I'm fucking talking about. That is some inspirational insight from fucking my man, Jesse Moynihan. It was so much fun to hear him break down his experience working on Midnight Gospel. Um, You know, I wish I could have split in two and, you know, taken that storyboarding gig and and really been more a part of that show because it looks fucking phenomenal. And I know once I see it, my fucking, I'm just going to fucking be like, oh my God. But, you know, we always keep it moving. We always keep it hype. We always fucking just love to see our friends thriving. You know, there's nothing better than seeing your friends you know, getting great work at the highest level and just absolutely showing up and crushing it. So big shout out to Jesse for stopping by um, and and just dropping those jewels and gems in our satchels. Um, that's, that's definitely going to be super inspirational for a lot of people. And uh, we'll definitely get him back before too long again. You know what I'm saying? And uh, later today I got this episode coming up with my man Scott C. So that's going to be very exciting. And uh, let's see what else. Um, If you want to sign up for that 12-week online group workshop, round seven, all the details are at GoShrimpGlobal.com. As of right now, there's one spot left. Uh, Once in a while, we let in some extra students. So if it's sold out and you really want to fucking take this round, you can hit me up and, and I'll definitely consider... You know, adding a couple extra students, uh, if if there's that demand for it, um, we're not going to be doing a summer session. Uh, we will probably do a session in the fall. So we'll see. Um, probably depends on you know, you know, just what else is going on at that time. But I definitely want to get in the rhythm of uh, you know doing two or three workshops every year because you know it just really energizes me and it's just so much fun to be able to hire my scout homies to get in there and have fun together and, um, you know, just inspire, you know, all these creative people from around the world to really push their creative limits and, and get those breakthroughs and build that portfolio and take control of their creative career and launch their creative career and all that juicy stuff. You know, I really believe the more people out there drawing in the world, the more people fucking, the more creative animals in this infinite universe pursuing their destiny, the better off we all are. So I'm out here trying to make that happen. You know, that's my mission in life through this workshop, through, through this podcast, through the fucking secret society of Go Scouts and and just fucking every creative person I know out there. Fucking power up. Um, yeah, be sure to check out uh, you know, everything that Jesse's been working on. Check out forming. He has a Patreon you can support. We'll put some cool links in here that you can click on and check out. 
Um, and uh, of course, if you want to support the podcast, go to iTunes, go to SoundCloud, subscribe, uh, rate and review, share your favorite episodes with your friends, go back through the archives, share your favorite episodes with your friends, um, and your cousins and your mom's cousins and your fucking distant relatives, you know, anybody who is, you know, into visual art and, and fucking into getting fucking hyped the fuck up and shit. Um, so check that out. Um. Uh, what are we fucking talking about? Oh, also, uh, you you can go to GoshamGlobal.com and get some prints. We got those Adventure Time triptych prints that I posted uh, again on Instagram um, yesterday. We got uh, a couple of those available on shirts as well. Um, we got fucking uh, you know podcast shirts. We got ghost shrimp hats. We got all kinds of juicy shit on there. So check it out and. Uh, of course, you can support the podcast directly by going to patreon.com slash ghostshrimp, and that gives you, uh, at, at just $1 per episode, um, you get early access to the podcast. You get it two days early, you know, so that's pretty cool, and then I have been posting my artwork up there early, so you get a little sneak peek at whatever I'm working on, and uh, we sometimes do exclusive shit on there too, so check it out. Um, and, uh, let's see, we got those $1 dripping smoothie members for that nutrients for your nutsack and your titties holes, uh, for your nipple fucking gauges for your nipple rings. Uh, we got that dripping breakfast smoothie shout out as a group shout out fucking love y'all. Thank you so much for the support. We got a lot of friends, a lot of workshop alumni, a lot of fucking, uh, creative colleagues in there, more adventure time colleagues. Leagues. Big shout out to all y'all. And then at that $2 level, we got that juicy fucking beef stew. You know, we always got a giant cauldron of beef stew ready to go. We got the vegan beef stew. We got the non-vegan beef stew. We keep it real for everyone out there. And uh, we got that juicy beef stew. Shout out going to Olive Furbolg. Oh, we got another juicy beef stew shout out going out to current workshopper in the last week, week 12 of round six. She's pushing for those breakthroughs, talking about Lou Funky over there in Portland. She's killing it. Uh, got my man fucking another current workshopper finishing it up. None other than my man in Japan, Craig Bowers. We got some really high-level people this round of the workshop, y'all. It's fucking so inspiring to see everybody doing their thing. Uh, We got my man Sam Bag getting a whole bag of beef stew. It's fucking seeping out. You know, he's got that. He's creeping through the woods at night with this bag of beef stew over his shoulder. You know, I'm I'm assuming he's a he, but maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's a she. Maybe it's a fucking, you know, I thought Lou Funky was a boy before I met her. And who knows, you know, with these gender pronouns, we say he, we say she, we say they, we say there, we say we're all fucking creative animals in the infant universe, y'all. So we fucking all on the same wavelength you know what i'm saying we got another workshop alumni my man shale durkin out there in jersey shale durkin be jerkin you know what i'm saying we got my girl shamaram the comics queen of armenia workshop alumni 
We got workshoppers all over the globe. Them, them second cousins, y'all. And then we got those first cousins, a.k.a. the Secret Society of Ghost Scouts. My man, Seth Bird, a.k.a. Butterflesh. Fucking uh, Jesse Moynihan told me that Ghost Scouts are always hitting him up, telling him to come through <laughs> when we're up here at fucking training camp and shit. They want him to come participate. I love that. Fucking keep hitting him up, y'all. You know I'm always inviting everybody to come out for, for the events we hold here. And and fucking I love those Ghost Scouts in the, in the world doing work, too. Uh, we got Future Workshop Round 7 coming up. My man, Gerard Jones. We got workshop alumni, my man Bobby C. Morgan, aka the Nobby Wood. He's killing it. Check him out. We got my man Chris Burke. Or my woman. It could be a woman. We don't know. We got Joran Thornton, aka Ghost Scout Michael Joran. We got another bowl of beef stew going over to Devin Newman. We got another workshop alumni. Oh, yeah, and Joran's also a Ghost Scout and workshop alumni. You know what I'm saying? We got another workshop alumni, Alejandro Fuentes. Los Focos totally destroyed the workshop. Fucking out there still doing it, just crushing it, putting up dope work on the IG. You know what I'm saying? Check him out, Los Focos. We got another workshop alumni, Jesse Primo. Killing it in New York City. Hope all's well down there in the hot zone. Uh, we got my neighbor and newest bestest buddy, Kent Osborne. Obviously fellow Adventure Time alumni. We got another workshop alumni and Ghost Scout and future resident of Vermont. Holy shit. Fucking Ghostiny making power moves in 2020, 2021. I'm talking about Mr. Husband, a.k.a. Chris Murray. Cannot fucking wait, y'all. The posse is growing. The hometown posse is real. Big shout out to Ryan Sims. Get that beef stew stew. Get that motherfucking beef beef. We got another fucking future workshopper and ghost scout talking about Frogodile Dundee, aka Steve Winfield Meyer. We got a bowl of beef stew headed over to Michael Broncado. We've got a bowl of beef stew headed out to the West Coast to be consumed by vegan stop motion animator extraordinaire Anthony Scott. Hope you're still paddleboarding out there during this fucking pandemic, my guy. You got to get that fresh air in your lungs. You know what I'm saying? You got to stay fit, you got to stay healthy. We got to get him back on here before too long. We got my man over there in New Zealand, one of my favorite animators, Psychedelic Master, Daniel Foothead. 
a.k.a. Go Scout Sports Magic. I need a little sports magic in my life, you know? Fucking, we got another Go Scout up in Canada talking about Alexi Giroux, a.k.a. Go Scout Cheeky Bookie. All-time, one of my all-time favorite names. One of my all-time favorite dudes. Fucking will ref- absolutely refusing to come on the podcast. Shame on you, Alexi Giroux. People should sh- publicly shame him until he's willing to come on the podcast. Oh, my God. Supporting his very own... Oh, no. He's actually supporting the last episode of the podcast. These are uh, shout-outs for everybody who supported the last episode of the podcast, and that was the episode with Michelle, um, episode 77, because we're numbering these... <laughs> out of order for whatever reason uh fucking my man jesse moynihan get that beef stew sonny uh fucking hollywood hotshot my homie mark osborne you know he's loving that beef stew down there in New York. Stay safe, my man. Big shout out to Bark the Dog. B-A-R-C. R R R. My man Crab the God. You know, get up on that Crab Conspiracy on the Patreones. Uh get in that group. We do fucking Crab Con meetings. Fucking I'm in there. Sometimes Kent's in there. We chopping it up. We having fun. Fucking, he's got people doing all kinds of assignments in there. That's like a mini little workshop. That's like a low-key fucking hype-ass fucking workshop. That's like a fucking little fucking offshoot of of Ghost Scouts and the fucking workshop. That's a combo fucking crab workshop, Scouts, dude. Think about that shit. Fucking uh, big shout-out to the original Beef Stew consumer, Jesse Donny. Big shout-outs. Big shout out to a three dollar member, P Wolf T. Big shout out to another three dollar supporter. Get that beef stew, my Pratt alumni down in the hot zone in New York City, Raphael Tang Hall. Check him out, Oxtails with Cocktails on Instagram. He's doing it. And now we getting up into that fucking marinated steak tip level. Fire up the grill. It's heating up. Let's get into the fridge and get those steak tips. They've been marinating. They are so fucking juicy. I can taste it. My mouth is watering. Oh, my fucking God. And the first marinated steak tip goes to on the grill. It's sizzling. We're going to flip it real quick. Keep it medium fucking rare just like we like it. Talking about my man, current workshopper. He's in his last week and he's killing it. Skyler Bloom out there in fucking L.A. You know, talk about killing it. My man fucking mullet man is absolutely destroying it. Check him out. Get that steak tip. Talk about my girl over there in fucking Norway, Maine, the Norway Brewing Company, the matriarch of the Malhus clan herself, 
Erica Melhus. When this is all over, that's the fucking, we're going to hit up my family in New Hampshire and visit with them. And then we're going to fucking hit up fucking Norway, Maine and fucking hang with the Melhus clan. Our kids have been vid chatting. Fucking, we miss, we all miss each other. Our families are intertwined. Um, we got, uh-oh, we're fucking taking the elevator down through the ground, through into the depths of Hollow Earth, down, down deeper into a dimension that is always on fire and that is full of pain and suffering of the souls of the damned. We're talking about that $6.66 level. We are talking about fucking Satan's marinated tube steak. Talking about Satan's fucking dick meat. And the first slice of that old fucking hog headed off to fucking fellow workshop alumni and Oyster River High School alumni. Zeta! If you like my shit, you're going to love his shit. Check it out. He's very inspired by my early work. A lot of people will hit me up and they'll be like, yo, is this a fucking, is this a, is this a fucking account that you're running secretly? Or like, what, what's going on with this? Is this your work? It's, it's very fucking juicy shit. So check it fucking out. My man Zeta is killing it. You know, some people expect me to be like upset if I see someone that is inspired by my work. But, you know, ever since I started working on Adventure Time and my style really got out there and, uh, you know, people really started fucking having fun with it. Um, you know, I've been I've been seeing it and getting used to it. And honestly, like I said, if I'm inspiring someone to draw, then that's a win. You know, I think we need more people just looking to inspire people out in this world in a positive direction, in a creative direction. Um, and I fucking love it, man. So, you know, if I can check him out. Um, and, uh, don't get, you know, don't, don't be a hater. If you see someone biting your style, whatever, man, just fucking encourage them to fucking keep going. Be, be hyped by it. Think about how many people bite Mike Mignola's style. Think about how many people bite Mobius's style. Like, Y'all, that's a compliment. You should be hyped about that. I used to sit around and bite the fucking style of all the artists I like, all the comics I liked, all the comics I read, fucking sitting there drawing pictures straight out of them. That's what my son Wolfie does now. Like, that's where everybody starts, y'all. And then everybody evolves it into their own unique direction. You know, it's a path. It's it's a stepping stone along a journey. So, you know... I think it's hilarious that anybody would get upset about people drawing like them. Dude, that's fucking amazing. That's awesome. What are we? I'm the only one that can fucking draw like this. Like, give me a break, y'all. Fucking get over yourself. All right, y'all. Fucking the last but not least, coming in at that fucking vegan marinated tube steak level. <laughs> Talk about my man, the year six Ghost Scout training camp camp champion. Talking about Krognak. Talking about John Mansfield. Talking about Ghost Scout Beard Lips. Given that name by Wolfie himself. Fucking anointed. 
Oh, I love it. I hope everybody out there is doing super good. Um, you know, in this, in this fucking new strange reality that we're all coping with, um, all the people that are fucking sitting there at home, fucking hope this podcast inspired you, all the people out there that are still going to work, that are essential personnel that are out there pushing through all this crazy shit, fucking hope this inspired you and, and anybody that's getting laid off and all that shit right now in tough times, my fucking heart goes out to you and fucking... You know, fucking keep on doing it because this will pass. You know, life always throws challenges at everybody and challenges are just you know, a chance to, to push against some resistance and, and use your brain, be clever, fucking find a way over, under, or around this thing and fucking be better for it, you know? So, um, get out there, be fucking super high morale, be fucking super positive, just be fucking product, stay productive, you know, fucking stay mindful, um, all the shit that we always talk about, you know, and and like last episode, you know, Take a fucking day off. Take a day to just sit there and fucking meditate. Turn off the internet. Turn off the phone. Fucking tune out everything. Turn out turn out all turn off all the inputs and just sit there with your brain and just marinate and just see what floats up, you know, because you know, you really have more going on inside yourself than you think. Like I'm really a believer in the idea that the answers to life are all within you and it's all a lot simpler than you think. We talk a lot about that that concept on this podcast. And, uh, you know, now would be a really good time to embrace it. If life has hit pause for you right now and you're sitting at home, bored as fuck, just like binging shit, like turn it all off, tune it all out, you know, sit there fucking by the window, sit there and just daydream, just breathe some fresh air and just fucking see where your mind goes. You know, you might really find some interesting shit in there, you know, work through some issues, work through some hangups enhance those positive voices in your mind use this as a chance to turn down all those negative hater voices that second guessing that imposter syndrome you know all that fucking bullshit you know and uh and you will be uh hearing shortly from us again i fucking will be hitting up uh, a podcast with scott c in a little bit and bringing it fucking to you hopefully tomorrow so uh stay tuned and we'll see you and hear you on the next episode of the go shrimp and friends podcast i peace